Hey there. I would like to open this with a reminder that we will be at the Midwest Gaming Classic uh, this coming April of 2020, specifically uh, April the 4th and 5th. That takes place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's always a really good time. So uh, go to MidwestGamingClassic.com to see uh, what is involved there. We're going to have a table and we're going to be joining uh, Retronauts on their panel. Yeah. We would love to see you there. Once again, April 4th and 5th, MidwestGamingClassic.com. Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, first one of 2020, baby. Welcome. It's January. It is so January, and this January has gone by fast for me. Uh yeah, no, it's uh it just it keeps on going as a percentage of your life every single day gets to be a smaller, uh smaller amount. Yeah. Older yeah. than you've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um I got a salad in the fridge that expires today. Ooh. So it's um, what? It's already January 20th when I bought this salad. <laughs> I was like, January 20th is so far away. Yeah. But in fact, it crept upon me like a mm-hmm. salad rotting in a fridge. Yeah. You know? Turns slowly turning into slime like the rest of me. Yeah. 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 And then it's just like a bag of slime. And, yeah. you know, that has its uses. But... <laughs> <laughs> if you want to thwart the wet bandits. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I, I could create like some kind of like cool slip and slide or some kind of double yeah. dare ass course for pocket. Yeah. You know? Um, there, there's things I could do with that bag of slime, uh-huh. but it's not as delicious as a salad. Yeah. That's the the real point we're trying to get across in this episode. Yes. The, 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 the thing that has changed my refrigerator game, Gary, is rubber, oh. ru- rubber made fresh savers. What's a, what the fuck's a rubber made fresh saver? It is a special, uh, kind of like Tupperware container that has like okay. vents and stuff in it to like okay. let the gas that rots, um, that rots fruits and vegetables out of it. It's like a okay. one way valve vent kind of thing. And it keeps your produce fresh for like spooky long. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's cool. Yeah. I just, I, I've got a couple of different sizes of the sizes of those and it's, it's like performing spinach ne- necromancy. That's great because spinach, you know, I just buy a bag of spinach, mm-hmm. just chip clip it and like, you know, it stays good for a while. Yeah. But, you know, sort of that's a big thing that, uh, you know, I would buy more vegetables if I didn't, uh, you know, I don't have a car. Yeah. Going to the grocery store is kind of a pain in the dick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, boy, that that uh, that fresh thing. But, oh, I here's a weird thing. Um, a lot of times I go to the grocery store, I'll buy a single sweet potato. Okay. Uh, and I look them over because I look over produce. Mm-hmm. I have a sweet potato I got home that looks all the world like someone took a bite out of it and then that bite healed. Ooh. <laughs> it's really amazing. I don't know if I can still eat it. I don't know what, what's going on with the sweet potato. But it, I, I, I swore I looked at it. It's like somebody did like some sleight of hand to switch oh. the sweet potato for like a, a, a dud sweet potato or like one that's full of, you know, eggs. <laughs> or something like that, right. you know, to like try to sneak them, like launder them I, into my house. I mean, you can do like you you you, you do with any, any potato, just cut off the unsightly part. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to decide if I get if I'm too in my head about it. Uh, maybe. You know? I mean, if, is, is is the skin contiguous? 
Um, well, kind of, except it healed over. So it looks like someone took a bite out of it. And okay. then the part where the bite is looks like potato skin, but it's all rough and scraggly. Oh, weird. It's extremely weird. And I know I looked at that fucking potato. Mm. I just like, I, I'm not, I, I always do that. You know, mm-hmm. I have the, the surety where I don't remember specifically looking at it, but it's so part of my habit. Not just of potatoes, but picking up a thing and looking at it. Oh, of course. It's thing I've been doing my whole life. <laughs> I only started <laughs> doing it recently. Yeah, I'm not new at this. So I don't know, man. It's just uh, speaking of produce. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's basically what this show is. Uh, so it's basically pro- produce pro tips. Um, yeah. Pro- yeah. No, so um, just uh, this is so starting our second year of doing dispatch episodes where, you know, we've got the usual kind of thing. We are doing uh, your questions uh, and prompts. We've got your topic suggestion. Uh, we're going to um, then read your responses to January's games and then announce uh, the games for March. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to ask us a question, the way you do so is by being a patron. If you go to patreon.com slash duck feed TV, mm-hmm. uh, that is how you get into that ecosystem. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. So let's uh, let's get started here. Let's do it. Um, no, I'll read this question from John here. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts on enemy design, uh, the relationship of a great enemy concept uh, might have on a level, narrative or avatar abilities. Can a lack of memorable enemies harm a game? And are there games that you remember primarily for top, a top-notch bestiary? And lastly, uh, what is your all-time favorite non-boss monster or enemy from a game? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Kind of. Uh, that's a big question. Um, very wide, uh, just kind of in a general sense, like very, you know, of course, like a, a good example of this. And we we have a real recency bias on this show. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that we bring up things that are, are we've done recently, and I mm-hmm. think that makes sense. But, yeah, but yeah. It, it's good for listeners too. Um, Blasphemous did this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like uh, an area would be like, oh, this is the latter area, and it is based around um, enemies that move back and forth horizontally as to provide a hazard on a ladder and enemies that throw boomerangs, uh, at you to knock you off of ladders. Yeah. I mean, so they they definitely play into level design, um, pretty obviously. Uh, I mean, just, just like everything else, there needs to be integration, right? (laughs) Like you have these elements, they need to share a screen. They need to share a play space. They have to work together. Yes. You know, and then like narrative uh, or avatar ability wise, like good examples of that would be um, like old NES games. So like in uh, Mega Man, mm-hmm. you know, Airman stage, yeah. um, the enemies, we have these like crazy floating platforms with horns that, that come out of the sides, mm-hmm. you know, that are kind of like enemies or hazards uh, that are also floating cloud people, mm-hmm. you know, flo- you know, fit into the narrative, quote unquote of that game or at least like the level theming yeah and then you have the uh the enemies that kind of float at you slowly and make a beeline which mm-hmm. when Mega Man can only shoot left and right um is made specifically to be a challenge to his the avatar abilities of that yeah like, like you have to kind of do a jump attack airman stage is such a standout because that entire thing is about rhythm and phase yeah you know just be between the horns on those devil heads um and the platforms that move kind of on those uh pre-laid tracks like mm-hmm. you have enemies that come in and kind of provide this randomness that can just like knock you out of phase and you miss your chances mm-hmm. yeah yeah Duh, bubble man's another good example of like the same kind of thing yeah you know um as far as games with like super good bestiaries mm-hmm. um it's probably it, you know at this point it's like 10 percent of my affection for final fantasy yeah <laughs> like yeah. that that rogues gallery you know just yeah. the, the the recurring enemies that pop up like i don't know like just uh any game with a cactor in it yeah 
I, th- I think as far as like RPG, you know, JRPG iconic enemy sets, I think it's got the it handily has the win. Mm-hmm. You know, I like it more than the Dragon Quest enemies, which I also like, but yeah. And got nothing on a cactar. Yeah, like Dragon Quest has the slime as like the iconic one that comes around, and then like mm-hmm. a couple of different things that do feel a bit more generic, even if they, you know, their golems and stuff are are uh, you know. I, I recognize but... them, but they're just not that exciting, right? Like it's right. all downhill after the slime. Yeah. Well, like, okay, I, and I was like, am I going to get really excited about a draki? Fuck no. <laughs> I'm going to get really yeah. excited about like a, like a tonberry because I know what kind of encounter that is going to yeah. be. You know, a yeah. behemoth, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, cool. I think there's like something that can, um, you know, bring a game down is if it doesn't have good enemy variety and, oh, it, totally. feel, and it feels like it should. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a really big thing, mm-hmm. you know, like see again, recency bias, but like see Alan Wake, right? Like mm-hmm. there's like three different types of enemies in that game and yeah. it becomes a horrible slog because that game has one type of encounter. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the way that uh, so they definitely um, intersect, right? Like level design, encounter design and enemy design, like it's just part of the building block. And mm-hmm. any one of those elements not having sufficient variety will feel bad. Yeah. You know, uh, and enemies are, you know, only having a couple different kind of types of enemies is mm-hmm. a big, you know, pretty common yeah. bugbear, not just on the show, but in general, yeah. you know, like Hellblade. I don't know. Like there, there's like a lot of games where like I just feel like there just weren't enough things to fight. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, Dusk, speaking of recency bias, has an amazing bestiary in it. Yeah, great bestiary and great variety. Mm-hmm. They're still introducing new enemies, you know, well into the third episode. Yeah. Like when they start introducing the flying enemies and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, they all take kind of like different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as like sorry. favorite all time non boss monsters in games, mm-hmm. uh, Crimson Heads from the remakes. No, great. not just not just for fighting them, uh, because, you know, they don't behave that differently than, say, hunters. But for what they do to the structure and tension of that game, I think that the remake would still be good, but it would be a much lesser work without the idea that old zombies could get up at you, get up and run at you at any time. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, and my my standard answer for this is always Chaos Eaters from Dark Souls 1. Yeah. Uh, which I just I, I love the design on. I love that they're so rare. Love those dipshits. <laughs> yeah, and I love that like, <laughs> they make that little noise as they get close to them. And I think that's a, a brilliant little piece of sound design. That's so good. So <laughs> uh, let's see here. Alexander writes. Uh, so this question here starts out with some thoughts about loving Fall New Vegas uh, and how they picked up the outer worlds on day one and were really disappointed with it. Uh, they continue. Uh, sure, New Vegas has plenty of problems, but there is something about the messiness of that game uh, that crafted an air of mystery that made me want uh, to endlessly plunder the possibilities of its various ramshackle systems. Anyway, the point of this, the discussion I want to put forward was the instance where a game studio with a great reputation for making a certain type of game becomes too self-aware of that reputation and perhaps plays it too safe or tries to perfect a formula by smoothing down and streamlining something uh, that should have remained beautifully a beautifully mysterious rough diamond. I'm going to get the obvious one out of the way here. That's something that From is uh, kind of constantly doing. It's been a little bit of the, the story of, mm-hmm. of From since they, since they captured lightning in a bottle with Demon Souls. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. That's a, that's a great, a great uh, example of that. Yeah, you know, just uh, just that feeling of like it no longer, you know, still like those games. Yeah, it's just you know they're the little little in their in their zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for me. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's interesting to think about that. Like, that's something that, like, I think that when I eventually dive into the outer worlds, I might end up feeling that way. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten there yet. You know, I, I keep I have not fully dove in just because of life. Right, right. You know, just being too busy to play a really long RPG for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't just like endless runs of darkest. Night. Like they can't play in bed. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, who else plays it safe? Like, you know, up until Breath of the Wild, that was a big problem with Zelda. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it just like those those games, you know, or, not, or actually be up until Link Between Worlds, mm-hmm. which is how when they broke out of that. And, you know, it's a better game than Breath of the Wild. Um, the, <laughs> yeah, I love a Link Between Worlds so goddamn much. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it's. So and that's that's something that Nintendo has a reputation for that I think they rightly have. Yeah, no. A reputation for. Um and even when they break out of that reputation, it's, you know, Breath of the Wild, which is a really good game, is interesting because it apes other it kind of like is Nintendo catching up to modern game trends from other studios almost. Yeah, yeah. Whereas other times when they break out, like you get like Mario Odyssey, which is a game I liked a lot but mm-hmm. is didn't feel fresh. Like it was just, you know, Here's a Mario ass Mario game that's a little bit more like Sunshine or 64 yeah. than than the most recent ones. So mm-hmm. I think that they have a, an issue with that. Yeah. A little bit. Agreed. Alicia asks. Um, so or I'm sorry, not Alicia. Yeah. Oh, yes. Alicia. Uh, open, you know, kind of talks about um, not having tons of money, uh, you know, to buy games initially, but had friends who would lend them things, gave them hand me downs, uh, which allowed her to play things like uh, Bioshock Infinite well after kind of the zeitgeist mm-hmm. and having that different experience. goes on to ask, uh, have you ever played a game out of its moment like that? And did it affect your experience? Um, I guess on some level, retro gaming is that. But also, I think there's a bigger part of the retro gaming uh, that is the contemporary experience of it. So basically, like, how does playing a game out of its, you know, not being part of the discussion no. out of its zeitgeist, how does that change the experience of playing a game? Mm hmm. Uh, we, we did something like this as a discussion prompt on the level here mm. a few months ago, but like, what game did you basically, basically what game were you late to the party for? And my, yeah. my answer for that, um, was Yakuza, sure. like the huge long running beloved series that I only came to because we started covering it for the show. And I kind of, I, I guess the version of it that I had in my head based on the reputation that, 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 that it's gotten is way different than what it actually was at the start. I was mm. not expecting it to be like a really cool crime drama. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I think that the, uh, lots of games I get to like this because I yeah. don't uh, get horny for things. Like it's very rare that I want to pre-order something, and I, it's very rare that I'm playing something that just came out. Right. You know, the the, the exceptions are more, you know, like Resident Evil, new Resident Evil games. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, new FromSoft games. Like that's almost it. Right. Every everything else, I will always wait until after the discussion. And generally, I think the effect is kind of a chilling one because a lot of times people, uh, you know, go apeshit over the new hotness. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, a real games thing. Like people cannot, you know oh my God, this is the best game ever when a game comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the opinion cools on it a little bit. And like, also that combined with the fact that I'm not somebody who tends to be like super impressed with polish and like, you know, prettiness. Yeah. Means that like a lot of times I just kind of find myself being like, this was the thing that everyone fucking said was <laughs> game of the century. Better than God. You know? Yeah. You know, so that, that was my experience with a Dragon Quest Inquisition, yeah. which I, I came to after, you know, the, the shine had 
falling off that and i, I do not like that game mm-hmm. um that uh you know and then sometimes for good games like there'll be games like i know i will love mm-hmm. that I end up coming to after the discussion almost for the opposite reason like i have not started playing disco elysium yet i know right. i'll like it i know i'll like it it's just <laughs> I, I i want to not be part of that discussion really i kind of want to just have a pure relationship with the game yeah and not have it you know be this collaborative community thing because i'm a weird insular like dickhead yeah so, yeah you know. I, I think it just it just it this changes depending on how much you pay attention to what other people are saying and like whether or not you consume publicly right yes you know yeah like just i'm i'm positive there has been backlash to disco elysium uh it was yeah, a popular I game i haven't seen it yet it's yeah. kind of amazing yeah you know um yeah but yeah just uh, it's it's more of an annoyance thing like i don't know it's something that's great about being off twitter yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> you know or using twitter as a write-only medium no. every once in a while i also get a uh a really great experience of waiting to be out of the the discourse and then mm-hmm. i get to be like the necromancer who brings back oh yeah discussion of something and that uh can be fun mm-hmm. like um the uh so i i knew i would love divinity original sin 2 mm-hmm. and then i didn't play it for like a year year and a half after it came out right and then i got to like be like fuck dude <laughs> like this, this is exactly as good as i i thought it would be this is incredible yeah and then talk about it in a lot of stuff and then a lot of people are like oh yeah i never got to that either mm-hmm. and then jumped in and kind of create like a mini discourse you yeah. know which is, is kind of fun like a little like third wave uh you know and that that was that ended up being fun and not having because there's actually you know those expectations that not being part of that discussion probably helped me appreciate it in like a way that the word I'm looking at like that comes to mind is pure, but that sounds like a bullshit word that doesn't mean anything. Right, right. Uh, you know, but just uh, it, it's kind of a more pure experience. Yeah, you you have your you have your own reaction to it as opposed to something that you are bracing for in some way or another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or there's the meta concerns of like I'm playing this with you know like if I was playing Disco Elysium when it was contemporary, mm-hmm. I talk about games with Will. Will was playing that. It's one of his favorite games, like the last 10 years. He loves it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just have that feeling of like the the plus side of that coin is that um, it feels really good when you like, oh, man, did you see this? Mm-hmm. The bad kind is that when you are experiencing an emotion about something and you kind of like check it versus your friend's reactions. Oh, you yeah. Know, couch it, you know, or whatever, yeah. or just kind of like, <laughs> you know, being really excited about something and then having your friend just be like, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. That didn't really work for yeah, me. And then like having no cell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, getting no sold on something. Mm-hmm. Not that Will, I'm just using Will as an example because of that game. You yeah. know, he's not like bad at this or anything. Mm-hmm. But having that feeling of of you know having your enthusiasm tempered at all, yeah, is something that only can be part of the discussion. And like mm-hmm. avoiding that, I think is not a bad thing. Like yeah. you know, it's a double edged sword, and and not wanting to have the negative edge because you don't care enough about the positive edge, I think yeah. is fine. It's like it's also weirdly like the kind of spoiler that bugs me where like if I gush mm-hmm. about something. So say I'm halfway through a game and I'm talking to somebody who has played the game and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, moment X, Y or Z. And somebody says, oh, yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. Like it's all. Yeah, over yeah. There. Like, that, that's oh, a well, bad well, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's really it's funny. Like, I mean, be a good topics thing at some point to talk about spoilers. Yeah. Like in general, because that's such an interesting thing. And mm-hmm. like. We, we talked about this before, but like one of my, my pet peeve for spoilers is when I say, uh, don't tell me anything about this. And someone says, OK, but I know you're going to love the part that's <laughs> no, no exceptions. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't, you know, like, yes, you're trying, you're, you're gleaning a little bit of excitement that you get 
from like experiencing something on with somebody else, you know, yeah. somebody, somebody else's behalf. That's like a sweet, good feeling. Uh-huh. But also, I just don't want to know. Nope. You know, yeah. like I, I know I'll dig the ashtray maze. Leave me alone. Like I'll play it eventually. <laughs> I don't know. I'm grumpy and old. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that that is what this show is actually about. Yeah. Whereas we're aging into the the Jeremy Parrish uh, curmudgeon, you know, phase of just kind of saying that we're grumpy every other episode. Yeah, we're just. I, I mean, Jeremy, it, he, does that. I, 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 he he doesn't necessarily do that, but like I don't know. I I think that ultimately it all comes back to like things are only bad when other people are talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the the only thing like the thing that gets under my skin is other people's behavior. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. There's like a. Uh, Jeremy uh, Greer like posted like some like on Twitter. He's like, some of you keep posting on this website and it shows. <laughs> Pretty, good tweet. Pretty good tweet. God, yeah. I, I saw an amazing tweet. This is just like on a something awful thread or something where it just the, the, like post good tweets or whatever. Uh, like somebody said, um, "Welcome to Twitter. Someone who doesn't understand humor will be will 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 be here eventually. We'll be or, here we'll, with you or yeah, we'll be with you shortly." <laughs> Yeah, and then like the first response is, "Well, actually, humor is context sensitive." Yeah, and even if that person was trying to (laughs) to to, to say the joke, it sucks ass. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. like it still sucks. Yeah, you're still illustrating it. (laughs) Don't 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 be that person. Yeah, please. Um, Yeah. Anywho, let's let's Let's... not get into the weeds about complaining about internet uh, as is our Uh, as as is our want. We have all sure for that. Um, Casey writes. Um, what do you think about the get better at a skill by doing it approach to skill levels versus earning generic experience from all, from all actions? Uh, the former always seems so realistic and appealing, but I can't think of examples where it works without resulting in a very emerging immersion breaking behavior, attacking your own party members in Final Fantasy two, jumping everywhere in Morrowind, etc. Growing up, I played a subscription based MUD multi-user dungeon. Um, it's actually still running. Uh, that used a learn by doing model uh, in a game that sold itself as an immersive uh, role-playing environment. Everyone constantly ran around humming songs, braiding grass, etc., to train the associated skills rather than, you know, playing the game. I think this experience with the mechanic left a permanent bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I don't know where I picked this up, but I call this Lamarckian leveling. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think I, I'm basically on the same page as Casey. Yeah. Like I like the idea of that, but I don't know when it works. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of works in tyranny, you know, like you, you, you do a, a subterfuge check and your subterfuge goes up, Yep. you know, but it's not emphasized very much. And that kind of makes it work, but it's silly in all of the, the elder scrolls games. Mm-hmm. Like you're either jumping everywhere in Morrowind or you're blacksmithing for days in Skyrim. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 you can't, uh, you can't do like when you when you want realism to be in a game, you have to account for gamers. Mm-hmm. So you have to make this like version of realism that feels a little bit more real. Yeah. Because gamers are always going to want level ups. They're mm-hmm. always going to want optimization. Like you're never going to be able to entrance a gamer to do something that does not make their avatar more optimal. Right. Right. You know, and that uh, is what you're running into here with people attack. You know, people talking their own party members and uh, it obviously too and. Mm-hmm. All that shit. So I, I agree. Like, it's a cool idea, but yeah, it, it kind of sucks. Yeah, it's really uh, hard to think of a good example, you know, where it, it, it is sold as like a feature of a thing and it doesn't just break down to be um, a real, real slog. 
um, the, just like, where it, it works, like the reason why it works in tyranny is because you don't have unlimited opportunities for anything that you're training a skill in. Yeah, yeah. That's what breaks it is like mm-hmm. if you can choose to do a thing to practice the skill mm-hmm. as opposed to play the game, then you will. Yeah. No, and just like you're thinking about uh, playing EverQuest, which had a very similar kind of model for a bunch of different things. And like before, oh my God, um, before they actually just kind of built in a cartography system um, Mm. in order to figure out which direction you were facing, you had to like type a command or uh, press a macro to like sense heading. And Uh if your sense heading was low, it would just either tell you you don't know or it it would show you the wrong thing. So you would just be like, as you're running, sense heading, sense heading, sense heading in order to train that up. Same thing with like certain servers, language skills were like that. So if you're, if you're, ah. if your skill in a language was low, everything would come through as gibberish. And all that led to was like places where people would sit and spam text to each other in order to raise their language skills, which I guess is basically the same thing as taking a Spanish class. Like practicing, (laughs) practicing a language, except that you're not actually learning anything. Right, right. You're just making a number bigger. Yeah, it's pretending to yeah. to do a th- yeah a thing like that. So yeah, that, I I think that stuff is is lame. Yeah, yeah, just a you know <laughs> attractive nuisances for uh, for degenerate play. Right? Yeah, even though like I like individual games that have that. Mm-hmm. Like I like all the Elder Scroll games I've played, just with a gabillion caveats. Yeah, like, yeah. just like a thousand things about them that are bad that I like them in spite of. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Marcus says, uh, "What dead or dormant game series would you like to revive or remake?" Similarly, what remakes or revitalizations have let you down? Uh, my answer for both of these is Tony Hawk. Yep. <laughs> uh, the Tony Hawk HD sucks ass. Yeah. Um, I would love a new Tony Hawk game. Um, I would love, I just want that series to be curated. Yeah. Don't even give me a new Tony Hawk game. Give me a little mini console on the size of a skateboard or mm-hmm. the shape of a skateboard that I plug into my TV that plays uh, Tony Hawk 1 through 8. Yep. And I'll be in heaven. Mm-hmm. So. No, that's a that that is a really good answer. Um, uh, all of my answers for like the first one uh, would be. Uh, I, how about this? I would like a thief game, like a good thief game. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't played Thief twenty fourteen, but I, mm-hmm. I have it. Yeah. Um, and like someday I will because it seems like the kind of thing I would eke some joy out of. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, like like a thief game. I don't know, like Medieval Thief Simulator is basically what I want. Oh um, yeah. But uh, uh, but in that world, you know, with uh, with, with the clockwork and stuff, uh, weird answer for this, uh, a remake or revitalization let, that let me down. I really like the original Wild Arms. Like, mm-hmm. I'm positive the combat would create on me now, but like, I love that world. Um, and just that setting and music is cool. Wild Arms Alter Code F was a real bummer for me. Alter Code F. Alter Code is- F. Yeah, they, they were on some Kingdom Hearts shit. Uh, yeah. but, but that was the uh, the PS2 remake of the first one, and it's not good. It was yeah, a real. Uh, it was a real bummer. I, I I my my I don't know how controversial opinion it is that the PS2 is the worst generation for JRPGs. Yeah, like there are, there are good games in that generation, mm-hmm. but everything was a loading time nightmare. Yeah, like I am not surprised that. No, yeah. for sure. 
So, yeah, good answers. That's my answer. Um, let's see here. Keller writes, uh, lately I've been getting more and more into fighting games after mostly ignoring them. I initially figured that it would be too much of a time sink to try and master the inputs and mechanics of each game and was scared off because of it. But with some help from friends, I managed to understand the intricacies of, uh, of a variety of fighting games uh, and have a newfound appreciation for them. Are there any games or genres of games uh, you initially were turned off from but managed to get an appreciation or fondness for later on? Um, like sort of, sort of, I like, um, you know, I did, I did not think that I would like, like truck simulator mm-hmm. type games. Like I eventually figured out, oh, you know, I, I like those now. I think those are fun and have like a place yeah. uh, for me. And then the other answer being, uh, like rogue likes, not road lights, mm-hmm. rogue lights, but like actual like games that use rogue mechanics. So mm-hmm. like share in the wander stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and then when I say initially turned off, it was like, I was just too, I was young. Yeah. So I didn't know. And now, like, I have deeply internalized those kind of rhythms and really like them, mm-hmm. both in terms of strict rogue like games and then uh, just most, you know, like not most, but a lot of my all time favorite games have a lot of rogue in them. Yeah. Your Isaacs and Darkest Dungeons and Gungeons and mm-hmm. Slay the Spires and stuff. Yeah. So um i need to make sure my cat doesn't step on my keyboard okay she's at the window good um for me i'm gonna eat a little bit of crow uh hey guys vr is good you're into vr now (laughs) yeah great (laughs) looking forward to that conversation for 2020 (laughs) what do you mean that conversation no i'm just i'm just joking will i'm I'm not you know my i'm skeptical of vr stuff Mm -hmm. i was skeptical me and me and will uh will will loves it Mm mm-hmm so we'll end up, we'll end up in that uh, yeah. in a in a zone every once in a while. Yeah, it's just a matter oh. of finding the right games to do it with. You know, yeah. like like room scale stuff is really good. Yeah. Oh. So that's my I don't I don't want to belabor it, but that is uh that that is a thing that I didn't expect to uh, to happen. I, I'm not trying to tell you that it's a, a forbidden topic or anything. <laughs> no, no, I just Either I, know. I just like the the the. the, the the reality of it is like even economically, like which I mm-hmm. could like afford a VR rig. I don't have the space for it, right? Because uh, I move into successively smaller and smaller apartments every time I move, like a right. Kafka story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so even if like you got really into it, I think that it would eventually lead to the, you would have the same kind of blue balls that Will has, where like Will is trying to explain to me that a game is very good, and I'm like, yeah, but I I have no option to play. <laughs> I, that. I can't. Like, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter how good it is. I mm-hmm. just I cannot go with you on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not equipped to have this conversation with you. Yeah. And like I played Beat Saber uh, with him mm-hmm. for a while. And it was cool. Yeah, it was fun. Like I, it wasn't a, like a life changing experience for me. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is fun, yeah. you know, but I, I didn't I didn't flip my mind over it. Yeah, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can have capacity to dig it. And at some point I would love to do uh, Daracene. Yeah. You know, for bonfire side chat, and that'd be a good excuse to like actually take the plunge. But I need space. I don't have. Uh, I live in a very small apartment. Folks. The, the 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 nice thing about Daracene and a lot of PSVR stuff, like like basically none of it is room scale. Um yeah. So like Daracene, you're just sitting there with your you're you're just sitting in a chair pointing. Yeah, pointing it your stuff. does not need to be VR. Right, right. It's 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 the classic. Yeah. Is VR for a lark? <laughs> is is uh, VR for a lark? But there's like similar stuff. Like I, I just I beat um uh, gosh until until dawn rush of blood last night, mm. which is just like a VR uh carnival essentially. Mm. Like a v- yeah, you're you're on a roller coaster and like you've got two guns and you're shooting. You're basically playing a light game with it and like it's mm. got super good spooks and scares in it. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's just PSVR, oh. like just sitting in a recliner kind of thing. Oh, I just <laughs> like I yeah I I took a I, I basically my PSVR was a uh, it, it was a Tetris effect machine uh, for mm-hmm. a year, and then I started playing other stuff. And I'm like, fuck, man, uh, how about an Oculus Quest? And that oh. ended up also being good. So, <clears throat> cool. so yeah, that's my answer. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, where are we at? Um, so, uh, Matt says, uh, do games ever make the jump from work games to play games? Uh, a game that you'd never otherwise play ends up being picked up for the show uh, that you end up that ends up getting folded into regular rotation. If so, which, why, how? <laughs> Um, for, for me, not so much because we tend to do stuff for the show that has an end. Yes. So like there ends up being games that I will replay. Like we did it for the show and it's like, I, this is in the canon. Like I know I will replay this, mm-hmm. but it's very rare that we do perpetual games for the show. Right. Um, you know, it's something like I want to do like some roguelikes mm-hmm. this year. Those are really important genre to me. And like, we've never really done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to do that. And that is something that could work its way into the thing that is closest is for me is probably like Frostpunk. Yeah, which like I've played since we've done it. I've done a couple like campaigns just because I like that game a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, not not often, and but not because it's bad or anything. Yeah, yeah. Frostpunk was a huge one for me, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of spending a bunch of time with it. Um, but yeah, otherwise, no. The things that we play are finite, and also like I don't really have a rotation of stuff that I play. It's mm. kind of like I I constantly you know there 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 are a few things that I like go back to habitually. Um, yeah. It's mostly like oh like I'm halfway through this I need to finish that. Well that, that that's a that's genre related you know yes. that like plays into the perpetual thing like the mm-hmm. only games that people habitually play are like games of service Destiny likes yeah, and rogue likes yeah. and then like fighting games you know there's a there's only a few different genres mm-hmm. that even make sense for that yes you know yeah so. Um, let's see here. Michelle writes, uh, this may overlap a bit with something I sent in specifically, specifically about Dragonfall. Uh, but since playing it for the show, I have thrown myself fully into shadow run stuff. I'm streaming returns in Hong Kong in my spare time. Um, I've even started re-listening to the shadow run monster, my podcast season. What was the last thing, uh, that got you guys really hungry for lore? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, like shadow run a little bit. I've been doing a lot of shadow run wiki diving. Because I, I remembered how cool it was when we because we covered Dragonfall. Same, I got that source book. It's good. Oh. Um, every time that happens, I get into uh, I spend some time reading about different vampire the masquerade clans. Of course, yeah, that's a really great TV tropes journey. <laughs> yeah, All of the World of Darkness stuff is really good. God, man, just like I will like okay. Um, instead of reading a book tonight, I'm going to go through and open up all these folders on TV tropes, and I'm going to have myself a time. Follow, it's, it's a real yeah, it's a real fall asleep zone. Yep, follow yeah, the follow the good. tabs to the end. <laughs> yep, yep, I have definitely uh, done that many a time. Yeah, um, so it, it's kind of an unsatisfying answer because it's just two tabletop games, but those are the kind of things that I tend to, to like. Almost anything that I, I we do for the show, I will have a if it's something I like, I will go through a brief moment of this. Mm-hmm. Like I've also been reading a bunch of Dishonored lore. Yeah, yeah, because uh, we're we're covering that for the show, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like. This is interesting. Like, I haven't thought about this. Like, what is all the published stuff on Pandisia? Mm-hmm. And the answer is there's not very much, right. you know, but it's still like what's there is interesting. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, oh. And I like yeah. Sh- Sh- Shadowrun is my current answer. So. Yeah. Shadowrun's a great and then Shadowrun's a great answer. Mm-hmm. Um, super good. Uh, moving on to life questions. 
Yeah. Uh, Chris says, what's one thing your cat does that is unique to them? For example, one of ours, Jenny, uh, short for Genesis or Genesis. Genesee? How should I say that? Uh, I would say Genesee. Genesee uh, likes to scream and lick beer foam. Hmm. Oh. Uh, it's it's hard to tell. Like uh, with with Greta, <laughs> uh, she she mostly does what I would identify as cat things. I really like that she stands up on her hind legs when she mm. wants my attention and for pets and stuff. Like yeah. she just stands stands up like a little person, and it's very awkward when a cat does like that. a little Roy Calhoun. Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. know, the one who's always standing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think they're like their most cat things are not super unique. Yeah. But like for me, they'll be like unique. So like Pocket is the beard looking thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the looking thing. He the other night he was doing it and uh, fell asleep while essentially like kissing my cheek. Oh, like he was resting his lips on my cheek and fell asleep. And it was yeah. like the cutest thing that's ever been. Uh, and I had to move to wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because, you know, if they do, they licks my beard. I like, you know, researched it and stuff. It's, it's like nursing behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 uh, he thinks there's going to be a titty in there. <laughs> and I hope there's not. Ugh. I hope that I, I get to die without a what? cat tit growing out of my beard. You know, we should <laughs> all be so lucky. Yeah. That's all any man can hope for, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but if so, like, I mean, that'd be like, that's a good thing, reason for like pocket not to get a hold of a Dragon Ball or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really, really horrific. Yeah. You know? No one give my cat wishes. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> like, oh, uh, man. Wishmaster forbidden from duty. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, thank you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. No, it's um, <laughs> like Greta. She knows she does that cat thing. She's going to do it right now where she sits in front of me when I'm sitting at my desk. And I've, you know, tried various tactics to get her to move without like just telling her to scram. You know, so it used to be a petter and she get, you know, tired of it and then she'd run away. That stopped working. So I hug, I hug her and mm. you, just, you just basically just hug her, you know, she just doesn't go hug her and then like lift her up and like hold her like a baby. Nope. Nothing still there. Um, hold her up like Simba. She's just like, sure. okay. Like she doesn't go limp or anything, but she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm down with this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, she, uh, you know, if she wants to be somewhere, she'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, cat's hate a closed door. Yep. Um, Rookie writes, uh, when you all made the transition to being fully Patreon funded and quit your day jobs, was it a net increase or decrease to your stress levels? Uh, Did you feel less stress because you were able to support yourselves doing what you love without having to deal with the outside work bullshit? Or is it more stressful because you lost your nine to five safety net? Um. I different stress to me, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't, I didn't lose stress or didn't gain stress because I lost my nine to five safety net. Like at some point along the line, I realized that there's no such thing as a safety net. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, you will never know security. Mm-hmm. Like if you're listening to this, I'm sorry to say, but like, you know, this is a Bob Mackey quote, but I always, I really like it about uh, being self-employed is that like previously, if I was going to lose my job, it'd be because one asshole who wanted me to mm-hmm. now, like thousands of assholes have to decide I lose my job. <laughs> right. You know, you guys aren't assholes, obviously, no, but right. like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of people would have to make that same decision for me to lose my job. I'm actually yeah. more secure now than I was when I worked for a company. Same. Um, you know, and, uh, that's true of, I think like a lot of people mm-hmm. like security, you know, I think security is an illusion and we seek it and mm-hmm. we, it's a, we have to pretend it's there, yep. but it's largely an illusion. Yes. Um, the increased stress is the, uh, comes from workload. Cause like we do a lot, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of managing deadlines. Yes. Um, you know, and then, uh, just having there be a direct 
tie between my output and my labor, you mm-hmm. know, and my, my income and my labor and like things like that is, is a source of, it's a good source of stress, but it's mm-hmm. a source of stress. Like previously in my job, like I would just have days where like, I'm, I'm no good today. Like mm-hmm. I'm so tired. I, I'm not useful. I would go in, you know, put in like 10% yeah, and then go home. And I can't do that with, with this job. Right. You know, it's, it's every day, like it's a performance as well as a, a, a task, yeah. you know, gotta, gotta, gotta do at least. Okay. <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. So no, like for me, like the, the, the change in stress, like, yeah, it just shifted to being different stress, but also like, I, you know, we built this up over the course of, you know, for, for me, we were building this as I was working that previous job and mm-hmm. just like, I was not abrupt. Like I didn't abruptly leave that. Uh, it was yeah. like, Oh, you just, you you get fewer hours now. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like you're not actually employed anymore. You're just a contractor. Oh, you get one project a month. Oh, you get, you know, whatever we give you. And like that coincided with putting more time in on this. So like, it was like this weird little like crossfade between them in mm. my, in my own circumstance. But like, and generally I am much happier now <laughs> that I can focus on this because I didn't, I really didn't like that old job. You yeah. Know, it was not uh, spiritually fulfilling. It will be very hard for me if I end up going back to not being self-employed. Yes. I know that's like a Peter Pan thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it just, it, it would be cool if I didn't have to. Yes. Like it would be difficult. Yeah. Um, I could do it. I wouldn't die. I'd be very mm-hmm. lucky to have a job. Like some people don't get to eat. I understand all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, it would be difficult mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. So water finds its level. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the level the water's at, and shossing that would be tricky. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. What does Douglas ask? Oh, uh, Douglas. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean to assign is... you one. Sorry. No, it's okay. This is fine. I'll do Douglas's. Um, as little as 18 months ago, uh, my wife and I shared our house with two parakeets and three big dogs. We're now down to one dog. All died of age-related sicknesses. Our house was once a buoyant zoo, literally and figuratively, but now it feels empty, cold, and quiet. I could go on, but I won't put you through that. My question is, how do you two personally deal with grief? And to make this a game question, <laughs> uh, have you ever played a video game that handled grief well or portrayed it uniquely in a way that hit home? Um, yeah, boy. Uh, yeah, do you, do you got a good answer for this, man? No, like, I, not really. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, like, the, the second bit is is harder. I would say, like, it, nothing's coming to mind. That doesn't mean I haven't. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, grief is has a long tail. Yes. You know, in a way that games are not equipped to deal with. Like, grief takes place over months. Yeah. You know, and that's like it's not a very it's hard thing to have boiling in the background while you save the world. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so it's hard for me to think of a, a good game that, that did that. Like, yes, everybody stood on the bridge and talked about Eris for one second, but then you still had to go fight a bunch of bombs. Yeah. You know, it's not that the game doesn't handle grief. Well, mm-hmm. you know, um, so. passage, I think is a oh, good sure. digestible one. If you know, if you make certain choices in that. Yeah. Um, it does, it does a good job, uh, at portraying that, uh, silent Hill two is about grief or is about guilt, but it is, all, uh, it is also about grief. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's so it's so metaphorical as to be like yeah, it's <laughs> not directly like handle it like I guess you know that it does it does portray it uniquely. Mm-hmm. I guess that's part of the question. I would say it does that. It's not yeah. Yeah. like this does not that did not feel like a lived in realistic portrayal mm-hmm. of grief. It right. felt like a really exaggerated, maximized way that still like has emotional truth, but mm-hmm. 
is more like a whammy. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to think of like the video game about Schmidt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then as far as uh, how to handle grief, like I've you know had uh, I lost my mom and my cat in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. um, which are my big two uh, grieving experiences and my only uh takeaway from both of those things is that uh it i have not figured out a way or a method it just took time Mm -hmm. and uh just let yourself feel any things you feel and be really kind to yourself like the way i treated uh myself in the weeks immediately post both of those deaths was like i was in an airport and when i'm in an airport i give myself anything i want yeah you know so like if i'm in an airport and it's like you know, I shouldn't have coffee because I'm not gonna be able to sleep, but I want it. I'm going to have the thing I want because I'm so, you know, compromised in terms of my happiness that I have to balance the scales somehow. Yeah. So like with, you know, Hey, today I was supposed to do some work, but I think that all I'm going to do is sit down and watch season six of the Simpsons like all day. Yeah. And like, that's what I wanted. That's what Mm -hmm. you get because you lost your cap. Yeah. You know, and that is, uh, that was the only thing that kind of moved time forward enough mm-hmm. to where I felt okay. Yeah. Uh, both those things, but it's never like gone or anything. It's not like grief like stops. No, no. It's, uh, you know, it will always be with you as long as there is something that reminds it just, it, do, it doesn't go away. It just changes into different things, yep. you know? Yeah. Yep. No, it yeah. just, uh, like I lost my grandpa last year. And for me, it was kind of like just giving myself permission to like, uh, be honest with people. You know, um, yeah. you know, specifically like, you know, like relying on my family saying, hey, guys, today's a really bad day for this. Or, you know, when that happened with you, it's like, yeah, no, we need to clear the decks because I just can't I can't like I, I yeah. can't deal with this. Not just because of like the logistics, like the whirlwind of going from the person passing to having them buried, you know, yeah. but that, that like that's done in like less than a week. And yes, that is a rough week, but also it goes really fast. That isn't like the, the main part of it. It is the, um, you know, the Jags that come yeah, in, the, yeah. you know, in the weeks after. Yeah. And it's being, be, being honest, talking about it and relying on people to be understanding if you, if you need something. Yeah. When, when somebody's in that position, like there's a weirdly enough, uh, another place where you'll find a discussion around this is the first part of me and Jeremy's discussion of the dark Phoenix film, <laughs> uh, which somehow weirdly the last 20 of minutes of which talk is us talking about our mom's funerals uh cool. respectively <laughs> and uh ended up being like a pretty impassioned and impromptu discussion about grief mm-hmm. um and the thing that you're talking about about being honest about your needs and stuff you know it is obscene in this in this country i think or in this culture or this yeah, humanity yeah. that we expect things of people right when they're in that situation like just that that feeling of like can there just be one fucking moment where i don't have to give right you know it doesn't mean i have to get I don't mm-hmm. need anything, but please stop asking me for things. And that can be as abstract as my time or my attention. Right. You know, um, and that can even be as something as benign as like my attention in, you know, somebody, somebody's expressing their condolences mm-hmm. and you acknowledging someone expressing condolences is like you giving them something. Yeah. You know, even if it is very minor, even if it is like a part of being in a society, like mm-hmm. that feeling of just like, man, I need to be able to be, you know, uh, en- entry only yeah, for a little bit. Um, and uh, that that is being a, a thing that we it's really hard to do and that we don't expect of, of people and that we don't, you know, is really a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, was, it runs contrary to uh, 
to, to what, at least what I need yeah. as a person to get over that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm really sorry about uh, your pets. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's rough stuff. I was going to say the other thing to you about pets specifically is that like, you know, you say that you've got uh, one dog, you're down to a dog and you have all this empty space. That's Im- immensely relatable. Um, I did not, was not complete or happy again until I got a cat Yeah. again, because space has to be filled. Mm-hmm. Like you become accustomed to a space. I cannot imagine like losing a pet and then just being like, yep, well now I don't get pets, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's, you know, I, I can't imagine it. So I'm not saying like, Hey, go get a bunch of other pets. I think that if you eventually do, I think that it will help. Yeah. But obviously, you know, you take your time and you have your own situations. I don't know. I know nothing about, mm-hmm. but like having that space filled can be really huge, you know? Yeah. So we're, we're meant to care for other things. Like it is a Mm -hmm. spiritual practice to care for another thing. Yeah. That is what we're here on earth to do. So, you know, that energy has to go somewhere. Yeah. So, but yeah, very, very sorry about all of that. So, um, yeah, shall we, uh, we do lightning round at the end. Shall we do some media questions? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, was that me or you? That was me. This is for you. Yeah. Let's do uh, Rodrigo here. Rodrigo writes, uh, what are you reading recently? Also, do you guys have any suggestion of a book of dark or gothic fantasy, fantasy with a cool or unique world? Bonus points, but has some uh, some horror element in it. Hmm. Um, I don't have a good answer for this right now. I've been super busy mm-hmm. and then I had the holidays and stuff. I have been reading like exclusively trash. Like, and by which I mean like comics and which isn't trash by reading right. comics and like source books and like internet, mm-hmm. you know, magazine style reading as opposed to novels. Right. Recently. And that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. So I go back and forth. So I don't, I don't have a good answer for it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to the Witcher books, uh, hmm. to, uh, get basically to get ready for the, uh, for, for the Witcher television show. I stopped because the show outpaced where I'm at in like the short story uh, collection mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, but yeah, those are good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm listening mm-hmm. to them on Audible. They're fine. Uh, the, the one thing that sucks, though, is that instead of calling, you know, the bar Dandelion, one of the uh, one of the narrators calls them Dandelion. Dandelion. <laughs> I've heard of Dandelion before in the Witcher discourse on the Slack. <laughs> okay. I've heard of this Dandelion. Yeah, I don't know who Dandelion is. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, uh, hello. I'm, hello. hello. <laughs> Mr. Dillion was my father, please. Yeah. Uh, um, as far as like the recommendation for dark or gothic fantasy uh, kind of thing, I, I don't necessarily like one of the best fantasy books that I've read in the past, you know, ever. Not 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 past ever. The past few years was uh, the the Eyes of the Dragon by Stephen King. You wouldn't expect mm-hmm. him to write a good uh, good fantasy story, but there it is. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, have not read this, uh, recently, mm-hmm. but, um, I started reading the, uh, the big, I'm looking up the, the stuff here right now, yeah. but, um, I got into, uh, about a year ago, uh, I was reading some Gene Wolfe. Okay. Uh, specifically I read the, uh, first book in the book of the new sun series, which is like a dark Gothic fantasy with a very cool setting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's demanding. It has an unreliable narrator. Cool. Um, and, uh, it is dense. So I, I read the first book and liked it and did not continue, even though, you know, I would like to someday, but it just life got in the way. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a recommendation. There, there, there's a book that was recommended to me that is on my pile, uh, but fever dream by George R. R. Martin. Hmm. Um, huh. it's a Gothic kind of vampire, uh, vampire book written by him I've... that apparently was a huge inspiration for bloodborne. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, like uh, the secret of George R. R. Martin is he's a great writer. Like everyone, you know, like uh, Game of Thrones, everyone kind of rolls their eyes yeah. at it, uh, partly because it got bad and partly because it's really big. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like that dude's a really good writer. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I read the first three of those books and they were extremely good. Mm-hmm. So um, I keep thinking about doing another run up at those. Yeah. Oh. Um, Katie uh, asks, hey, y'all. Uh, I was wondering if either you had a chance to listen to the Monster 20th anniversary set yet. I'd be interested to hear your takes on the extras. There are certainly a lot of them. I have not yet. It hasn't come to Apple Music, but when it does, I would love to do just like a one-off file underwater for the people who keep that RSS alive just to fuck with them. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When it comes to streaming, I don't know if it's come to Spotify yet or not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think it's come out for things yet. Yeah. Uh, Which is a bummer Mm because it's like I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I love how they curate. Uh, moving on to show questions, uh, Greg writes, um, I was curious as to how you guys dealt with the issue of getting older as you work on the podcast, especially since society is so aimed at the young people of the world and filled with constant reminders about how you're not as young as you used to be. Uh, I know you guys are younger than me, uh, so you may not have encountered this as much as myself, but I'm 43, and no matter how hard I try not to think about it, uh, it seems I'm reminded every day about the fact um, how long it's been since game came out playing an older game and having nostalgia listening to a new game on WAF that I just don't have the time to play and never will because of hand-eye coordination. The list goes on. I'd be curious, uh, to know if you guys have experienced this and how you cope with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, this does not, as far as the, the game stuff, this doesn't affect me, uh, tons. Right. With this, like the things that I, the games I associate with the youth are like things I'm not going to, we're not going to cover anyway, like Fortnite's and, and the jazz. Yeah. We're not going to play like auto chess on the yeah. shows. Yeah. It's, it's just not who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. Like it's a big enough pie. Yeah. You know, is what I think of the two ways this intersects with uh, this is like most of my reminders about uh, the world being for the young, for me, don't come from society. That stuff mm-hmm. doesn't get to me, come from my body. Right. You know, like my kidneys remind me that I, I'm old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I think about in relation to games is just, I think, you know, I'm 39. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is this, will this job be cute when I'm 45? Like, will, do people, are still people, are people still going to want to know what I have to say right. about that? Like, am I going to age gracefully like a Jeff Gersman or am I going to retire into obscurity like a Jeff Green? <laughs> Which Jeff will I be as an old man? You know? <laughs> that that, that is the weirdest uh follow-up uh so just uh oh man which which jeff will i be as a follow-up to what color is my parachute yeah (laughs) just a picture of jeff green and jeff person like staring at each other on the cover in the same font and everything yep (laughs) um but i just i don't know if uh but that i i think that's wrapped up in like weird rules right like oh this is this is you know podcasting is not like a young person's job because it's barely a job. Like right. very, very few people have it, Right. you know, there's no, there's no reason for me not to just, as long as people are interested, there's no reason for me to stop doing what I like to do. Uh-huh. You know, it is dependent entirely on that. It's just my head being like, Oh, at some point I got to grow up, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and then that, that's a fake idea. Yeah. No, it's so. uh, getting in trouble is a fake idea. Growing up uh, is, 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 is a fake idea. Um, at, at least, at least in this weird, kind of space that we that, that, that we occupy you know as the yeah. younger person in this equation something that has been a comfort to me when it comes to this you know when it's it comes to like 
I'm baby. No, uh, <laughs> when it comes to questions of re- relevance and continued relevance, something that has been a comfort to me is that, like, weirdly, whenever we have done a check on who is in our audience, like, the median has always fallen somewhere between you and me, Gary. Yeah. You know, and like, oh, our audience. Game recognized game. <laughs> but like, our, you know, our, our audience has always been, you know, people who are in our cohort to a certain extent. And yeah, that's, you know, not necessarily a growth market. Um, but, you know, there's nothing saying that we will not find more people who like what we're putting down, et cetera. Like, sure. the, the, you know, just p- people who, you know, that the audience will grow up with us. You know, people yeah. who are interested in the kinds of stuff that we talk about are going to find us. So, like, I don't I don't necessarily get, like, a sense of dread about it. You know, no, and it, 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 yeah. yeah, it's a weird thing because I, I don't listen to Giant Bomb, but I do find them discouraging as, like, guys who are probably roughly my age or older mm-hmm. who do this. Yeah. You know, like it, it is it is a kind of thing. There's no governing body. Like, there's no, nothing that says that we can't uh, just keep being people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And uh, and I and I like, you know, I generally like people of all ages. Like, I, yeah. I uh, you know, I, I most of the people who listen are median ages uh, or listen to us are in our median age. We have some youngos mm-hmm. like every once in a while, someone will be in. I'm just like, oh, man, you're like fucking 22. You know, we'll meet somebody <laughs> at a convention and, and they're very young, uh-huh. but they're all great. Like they're thoughtful and nice and, and everything. And, and it's, uh, you know, not to not to age ain't nothing but a number, but like. Mm-hmm. Age is more than a number. Like, it's like age is real, but it's almost unrelated to how long you've been on Earth. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a w- difference between age and maturity, you know? Yes. Like maturity yeah. is way more important than age and yeah. kind of maturity and, and uh, sophistication and stuff. That that stuff is real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, for, 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 for my entire life, all of my friends have always been older than me. Pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, um, I have always been kind of the youngest person in a, in a room and baby. as that and <laughs> baby, but like, as, <laughs> as, as, as that changes, you know, I, I just have become comfortable with being on the other side of that and thinking like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like just, the, the, there are a bunch of people like Cole running around, like just, it's, it, <laughs> it's still there. It's, it, you know, it's still a factor. It's just yeah. uh, in a kind of, it always, it always has been that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Simon says, uh, Hey guys, it was awesome when you did the episode on Resident Evil 2 remake. So soon after release, any chance you'll do the same for Nemesis. It's always a rarity to have you guys discuss a brand new game on WAF, but it's always fun. Actually saying that, have you ever thought about doing something like a poll where you nominate six upcoming games and let the community vote on one that you play and discuss right around release, like a twice a year kind of thing? Um, first part of that is easy. Um, we mm-hmm. are going to cover that right after it comes out. Yep. Um, we don't, it's not on the schedule just yet. Um, but we, you know, it, it's it's softly on the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on, it's, on, it's on the soft schedule. Yeah. And uh, yes. Yeah. Um, um, as as far as like the new releases, uh, like saying like, yeah, this game is this game is coming out in September and we're going to do um, an episode about it in October. That is such a gamble yeah, for the like, commitment it, that we need to make to do the show. Yes, because uh, we play in advance. We balance like a lot of the hard part of the show is meeting a lot of deadlines and balancing a lot of plates mm-hmm. at the same time. And uh, also, you know, earlier we answered a question about like not being part of the discussion, being kind of a boon. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not something I want to it's something I want to engage in pretty rarely, not mm-hmm. just for the show, but like in general. 
Yeah. Like yeah. we, we covered Dishonored 2 really shortly after it came out, but like both of us were looking forward to that and we kind of knew it would be our jam. And I think by the time we decided to do it for the show, one of us had already played most of it and said, yeah, this will bear it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, it, it's, so I think this is thing we'll, we'll probably never, uh, make into a system, but mm-hmm. will just happen from time to time. Yeah. You know? Um, Tom writes, I was listening to an older episode, Doom, I think, and you mentioned reaching out to another podcast, go- uh, another podcast host to guest. How does that work? Like, do you sell yourself to a prospective guest uh, that might know who you are? Uh, we have this many listeners. We reach this many people. We've been going this long. Or is it more informal? Yeah, and th- this was mostly uh, something we did for Bonfireside Chat mm-hmm. more than anything else. Like, WAF episodes with guests are pretty rare. Right. Um, and the way that, um, you know, the, me and Cole, we talked about before, like our natural duty split. Yeah. Um, the, like this tended to be a, a Gary thing mm-hmm. and the way I would do it is just reaching out and being like, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we're doing. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. Um, I would not flex any numbers or anything like that. Right. Um, because I just kept thinking, you know, I, I, it made me think about like being in a band and when bands would, say like, Hey, we want to play in your town. Do you want to jump on the show? And they're expecting me to provide a big audience. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I don't know if that will happen. You right. know, like I can't, the, all of this stuff is so Byzantine that like, you know, I don't know how to quantify if somebody listens to bonfire, you know, listen, guest on bonfire side chat, someone listens to it, how many people will follow them back to their thing. Right. I don't want to make any statements about that because I think that it's not, it's, it's only semi predictable. Mm-hmm. So I've generally relied more on like, hey, this is who we are. We're nice. Yeah. You know, do, do you want to do this thing mm-hmm. uh, and not flex any numbers? Yeah. The value kind of needs to be um, intrinsic to, yes. to, to what we're asking because it is impossible to promise accurately or reliably. Um anything else besides like yeah, yeah like you know uh, you know we, we we like what you do we, we you know we think it'd be fun to talk it's an hour and a half out of your day yeah like yeah. Will, will this be fun for you yeah and then like in a larger way like you know that was on, on an older episode we talked about that like we've moved away from doing uh guest stuff mm-hmm. generally and yeah. i like it more and i think it's a good direction mm-hmm. so i know some people you know probably are disappointed in that i know that we got some like cranky bonfire side chat reviews that we didn't have guests anymore mm-hmm. um it's hard it's yeah. hard and it's it's not as comfortable to record mm-hmm. for us and you know one thing we talk about all the time is like part of the reason why we are able to make all the content we make is because we make it we do it in a way that is comfortable for us yeah like we find a sustainable thing mm-hmm and just like really, really, you know, after doing this, this song, it's very easy to sit down and record with you or sit down and record with Jeremy or sit down and record with Will or Brayton. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot harder when there's a third person in the room. Yeah. Uh, I just like this is this is not against anybody who has guested on or anything. Not we've remotely. Done. Not remotely. But like, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of the same way that having a flight coming up makes me kind of anxious ambiently for the two weeks in advance of the flight uh knowing somebody's going to be on like it adds a little bit more stress to it i don't like you know that is just garden variety social anxiety uh but it's there yeah it's like a patina of stress and people have been uniformly lovely yes like the the people we especially like patrons we've had i'm not just saying this Mm -hmm. like people have been great yeah like it it is it has been like really sweet really insightful Mm -hmm. you know uh, and it's not them. It is like literally us dealing with our own bullshit. Yeah. And 
wanting to, you know, to record in our underwear, both literally and then also figuratively and like, you know, dialectically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and also like it's, it's, it's down to like personal logistics bullshit. Like, I don't know, probably what, like four times out of five, we need a 10 minute punt because one of us is having a terrible stomach day. Totally. You know, having they you know, having a bad stomach day. Yeah. Things like, like that. I don't want and to just... explain that to to a friendly stranger. Hey, I'm no. sorry, you need to like go go check the news or something because Cole has to shit. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's, that's, that's not a flattering look. No. You know? So like just and then scheduling yeah, yeah. you know, is uh a lot harder uh, with other people. There's just like lots of re- it's hard to edit. Yeah. Uh with other people, there's a lot of reasons, arguments against it. And I get I appreciate that people dug it. Yeah. And I just think that like it is definitely like a sometimes and more rare treat because it just works a little bit less. Yeah. And if you're disappointed to hear that, I apologize. Yes. You know, it's it's not a uh, it's not personal. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, we, one of the founding principles of the network is like we make the best stuff when we're having the most fun, mm-hmm. and this is in favor of having fun. Yes. You know, when we did like kind of classical interviews, the times we had like Ron Gilbert on or Chris Avalon on or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we could not have done those as Skype videos because every single time I a- asked a question, I visibly flinched <laughs> like afterwards. Like I was like a bully was going to hit me. Yeah. I felt crazy. so nervous about it. Like yeah. it was just, you know, it was rough stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, what, what else do we have to say about uh, things we're no longer doing? Uh, I mean, just um, like just... Lewis here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what else are we not doing? Yeah. Let's let, like, sign, sign up for more guilt here. Lewis writes, I've really enjoyed your written output in the past. Infin- Infinity Engineers, the Dark Souls 3 and PC article, Hexcrank and the blog were all great reads. I can absolutely see why the time and effort required to do long form written analyses compared to the relatively free form discursive format of podcasts, as well as their, uh, much wider reception uh, makes it a pretty uneconomical prospect, but I might as well ask, do either of you have any written articles that you're planning or would like to do? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have anything planning to do that. I can, I mean, I can just speak for myself mm-hmm. um, where I got the outlet for this is by doing the solo duck feed presents yeah. podcast that I do. So I've done like maybe 10 of those. So like I replayed Deus Ex, I talked about it. I've done some like, Darkest Dungeon stuff, some Enter the Gungeon stuff, uh, complained about Diablo 3. Yeah. Um, if I play a game not for the show, I tend to record 20 minutes of my thoughts on it mm-hmm. um, for patrons. Yes. So, uh, And those are presents, so they're at the $10 level, um, just to kind of juice that tier a little bit. That yeah. has taken a lot of this uh, output mm-hmm. kind of zone for me. Uh, to that, I like writing stuff. I liked mm-hmm. doing uh, Infinity Engineers. It was just a lot of work to play one of those long ass games on top of everything else I was playing. Yeah. That's the, that, that ultimately comes down to be it is like finding a workflow that fits in with everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, like for, for hex rank articles, which are not officially dead. It's just that they take forever to do. And I drop them because deadlines, right. Deadlines for, yeah. you know, kind of current things and that, um, a little bit. So the, um, uh, the, the drive to do that is sated by doing the streams, uh, which again mm-hmm. is freeform and discursive. And has an audience there providing me <laughs> providing me with validation, uh, which is good. Um, uh, but also by doing the hex crank first hours, um, like the 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 new release kind of things, which actually open up with like a little you know short pre written kind of edited thing uh, that I do there. Um, the actual articles is like play the entire game, basically make an entire WAF 
outline. Like I have like three games in outline right now um, for Hexcrank uh, uh, retrospectives, but also grabbing screenshots, also editing the video uh, retrospective together, uh, things like that. Just a lot of workflow kind of things. So like, what, like, what, what do I have planning or would like to do? Just more of those. It's just a matter of like not being saturated with deadlines for podcast stuff, which is the bigger commitment. Yeah, which will which will like almost never happen. Right. Like not being saturated with that stuff, like mm-hmm. not being discouraging, yeah. you know, to you or to the, the listeners. But like, you know, this is an ongoing concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's a real difference in the, the workflow of the, the podcast and stuff in a way that intersects with my um, creative self and my feeling of self-worth a lot where like yeah. uh, it is not a launch based creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, when you do something that is like a big project thing, you know, if you're like YouTube creators who I follow, mm-hmm. they get to be like, hey, here's the new video. I know it's been like two months, but here it is. Yeah. You know, and then there's a big flurry of discussion around that. And it took a lot of work. And it's like this, like giving birth thing. <clears throat> and us, like we're giving birth like a seahorse. <laughs> where It's just a constant stream of little monsters, <laughs> just horrible little beasts. Yeah. Um, popping out of our cloaca like yeah it is you know it is a, it is a continuous like uh it, it's a job mm-hmm. you know and it's 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 we we keep the stuff coming out yep you know every it's all i'm proud of it all it's still like a production and stuff but mm-hmm. it doesn't have the like cadence of yeah. finishing a written article or finishing a book or finishing a video or something like that it is more just like hey business as usual we put out the bread mm-hmm you know, and that can feel kind of bad. Like it's, it's, it can feel there's like a high that comes from the other way that is missing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is more than a full-time job. Yeah. Like when you, when you take into account play, like I am, I'm working more than full-time job hours, mm-hmm. uh, almost every week, Yeah. you know, and, uh, and yeah, I mean every week, because if I'm not doing it for that week, I'm getting ahead for <laughs> right. travel and other stuff like that. So right. like, I'm always, it is more than a full-time job and mm-hmm. it just, it takes up all that time. And like, you know, I got a band. Yep. I can see my girlfriend stuff. I got stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't want to just have my life be all work. Yeah. There's, so it is hard to fit in another hobby. There's a concept in business logistics, logistics like stock versus flow. You know, like mm. how much do you like, how much are you building a stockpile versus like, how much are you geared to build up a stockpile versus how much are you geared to have throughput? We as a mm. shop are very, very geared toward throughput. Like yes. just, things are co- constantly going. You yep. know, just in in terms, you know, and it has to be, you know, and, and that overlap and that constant busyness. Like we choose to do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. like we we we, ch- we chose this setup as not something that was forced upon us. We we chose it because it is, you know, the work we want to do. But any choice has the opportunity. Like whenever you choose something, you're not choosing the other things. Right. And this question is basically about the other things. Yes. You know, we're talking about the other things, and we've made this choice mm-hmm. instead of that choice. Yeah. Um, you have to remind me, do we do lightning round before or after the topic? Uh, it, 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 it has depended in the past. Um, okay, but what do you feel do like lightning doing round now? real quick? Cause yeah. they're, they're quick and there aren't very many of them. Yes. And then we'll do our topic. Cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, David says, uh, well, actually this, this wraps into our topic. Yeah. So, so like, I will, uh, I'll, I'll, this is a preview. We won't answer it now, mm-hmm. but just so you know, here's the, 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 the sneaky preview. What are your thoughts on game delays in general? In more specific, how do you feel about cyberpunk getting delayed, but not long enough to release it without resorting to more massive crunch? So stay tuned, David. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does uh, Ben say? Um, ben says, uh, what is the process for writing intro music for your shows? Are there any songs that almost made the cut before being replaced with something else? Um, I don't think there are any, uh, like, you know, deleted 
like draft like at, versions. I, so the the end theme for Adric Suffering used to be like you sent it forward as hey this is what the opening will be I was like cool yeah I like this that's good and then you said no I wrote an I wrote an intro make that the oh, outro yeah. yeah yeah I forgot about that yeah um generally uh you know the the way that i approach music like just for for my half of it is mm -hmm. that it's uh, very instinctual and i sit down and i'm like here's a mood and then i kind of chip away at it until it becomes the mood and then i'm like it's done yeah you know it's i don't have just a huge pile of drafts like i don't actually have a lot of unreleased music mm -hmm. i was looking through my music drive and there are maybe like five to ten mario paint songs i haven't put out on anything mm-hmm you know, like it doesn't, uh, I tend to just kind of work on it until it's done. And then once it's done, I'm good with that. Yeah. So. Um, I've not done very many of these, but in the past, it has just been a matter of like, I, I find the, the sound. So I mess around with either, you know, the MIDI, the MIDI settings, um, and, and find like a particular, like, oh yeah, this is the lead that I like. This is the bass sound that I like. And then they'll build it around that same thing with mm -hmm. like guitar, you know, um, mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the one of these that was different, that was really fun was the file underwater theme where you sent over, mm -hmm. um, kind of the rhythm tracks and I did the guitar. Mm -hmm. that, that was fun yeah. to do. It's a fun theme. It has a good theme song too. Yeah. Thank you. I've considered, uh, well, you know, I wrote that too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, I've considered just stealing that for the band as well. Yeah. Like I could use these chords and just <laughs> do it. Know, it's fine. There's no, there's no reason for, for Modred's not to use this if I wanted to. <laughs> um, there's no rules. Yeah. Um, Brad says, uh, have you ever thought about doing a podcast covering old horror movies, specifically ones from the 70s, 80s, and 90s that are less well-known? I'd love to hear you talk about the early Cronenberg films. Um, I have not thought about that. I like all of that stuff. I mm -hmm. feel like that's really well-worn territory in podcasts. Yes. Like, there's a lot of like horror movie podcasts, and mm -hmm. they're cool, and I like them. Um, but I don't necessarily feel the need to. I think we found our niche with that, with Unfilmable. Yeah. And even that's not a forever niche. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I like those movies. I don't feel like I would have anything special or unique to say about it. Yeah. You know, like Cronenberg movies, it'd be, I don't know, kind of just Chris Farley, Chris Farley show yeah. about video drum or whatever. Yeah. 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 I definitely, I like the early Cronenberg movies more than I like the later ones. Mm -hmm. So that's a little, everything pre-existence I am more into than post-existence. Yeah. Uh, and po existence counts as post-existence. I don't like that <laughs> yeah. movie. It's, it's not, it's um, a little slow. I like that there's a gun that shoots teeth, but the movie's <laughs> dumb as hell. Um, do you hear me, Chinese waiter? Like, it is so dumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, too dumb for me. Uh, Philip writes, aliases. Do either of you have a go-to alias in your hip pocket, a rusty Shackleford, or the like? Sure. Uh, Larry Butterman <laughs> is my uh, how I signed up for old AOL discs. Cool. Back in the day. And then there's also Barry Margarine Meadows. Mm. which is uh the other one yeah so the larry butterman and barry margin meadows <laughs> um i have used rusty shackleford in the past um that's because i'm not creative uh sometimes if um i need to give a name and i know they're going to misspell it or i know they're not going to understand it i just say bob mm. you know bob ross yeah and sign yourself up for something there yeah, yeah. Uh, they, usually that's in, in cases where they don't get the last name yeah, a Starbuck. Yes, a Starbuck. Uh, the, yeah. the 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 full the full reveal of Bob Ross is just for me. Yeah. No. Uh, Nick says uh, two of my top three most played games in 2019 were revealed to me via PSN wrap up. Uh, they were Enter the Gungeon and The Wasteland Two. Both are awesome recommendations I got through the network. My question is, if you could level up for the rest of your life in either a Gungeon or a Wasteland, which would it be? Oh, Wasteland, uh, most definitely. 
You go for the wasteland. Oh, eh? a dungeon would be horrifying. Well, here is my thought about Gungeon is you're immortal. Like you come back to life in a Gungeon. You know? But so, yeah, I mean a wasteland would also be I mean, I yeah, I don't is know, there, I don't know. you know me in the dark gift. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, so is everybody who steps foot in the Gungeon immortal? I've not played um, enough of that game to know, or is there something special about about your character that makes them no, immortal? It, it's everyone in the Gungeon. It it's um there's like a time loop thing. Okay. That like the true ending of the game is is going back and stopping the time loop from happening. Gotcha. They're getting the gun that kills the past. So like even if you revive, you would still. I mean, like getting shot a bunch of times sure. and dying would be pretty traumatic. And I don't know that I would sign myself up for that. You know, there are mimics and stuff there too. Yeah, I just feel like the wasteland would also be really hard. Well, it depends we, on like we, what kind of wasteland is it. You know. Yeah. Is it a winter wasteland? Yeah, is it like, like a toy waste? Is it a teenage wasteland? <laughs> yeah, that's not so bad. Well, but I mean, like, like that I couldn't cry or close my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's weird. Baba O'Reilly is you are O'Reilly. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think that like, cause I've just recently, like, I think on, I was on uh, Jim Crawford's uh, topic Lords podcast talking about like what I would do in the post apocalypse and the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And like, generally it's like food, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'd get eaten. Yeah. Immediately. No, yeah. I don't have any like I, I I don't have any, you know, delusions about like being a badass in this. I, I would lose my mind relatively early on. But yeah, you know, if it wasn't just like a, if, if it was a um the road wasteland as opposed to a fallout wasteland, I, I would prefer that because fewer monsters. It's just people. But yeah. yeah, well, those are the real monsters. Well, of course. Yeah. I think that if, if there is if the bombs are hitting, I hope that you and I have enough time to go to the tattoo parlor mm-hmm. and tattoo uh marbled grade a on our foreheads <laughs> just to get it over quicker yes you know yeah. <laughs> just uh you know human veal <laughs> coming through um uh, let's see here holland writes quick one for gary uh what's the next game of any in line for a power world's treatment do you have any long-term plans uh as far as how many of these you want to make overall um, I have a paragraph idea for all of them that I've put in the like other books in the series mm-hmm. thing, um, but it's just a paragraph. And the first one of those was very fun. The second one took a lot out of me. And I think it's because of just like what was going on in my life yeah. at the time. I experienced a lot of tragedy uh, mm-hmm. when I was writing that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I have not wanted, you know, 2019 was a big year. I specifically was like, I'm not going to start any new projects. I'm just going to curate existing projects. Mm-hmm. Um, that was an intentional thing. And then we started DuckFest. Yes. Which like was so much work and took a year off my life. Um, <laughs> so it was kind of a fake, you know, I kind of lied about that. Yeah. Um, but I still think I'm carrying some of that philosophy forward of like curating the network, you yeah. um, know, growing the network as being kind of my goal mm-hmm. rather than starting a side project. Yeah. Um, the thing I want to do before I do another power world, if I do another power world is I wanted to write a short story collection of like horror fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of horror short stories I like, and then I have ideas for more. And I've thought about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the time. Yeah. And then, uh, the other thing is if I do another power world, I think the next one I would do would be bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only joke I have from that is that the church, instead of wanting more eyes, they just want you to have bigger eyes. So eventually <laughs> like everyone that you, you run in, you know, the main character runs into and that's just like, ah, like, <laughs> oh. nothing but basilisk. <laughs> yeah. Just big, just big, big sagging pendulous double D eyeballs <laughs> hanging out, of the, out of their titty sockets. Yeah. Veiny. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, last one here. It's a it's a two part one for you, one for me. <laughs> Zero Dark Thoughty, uh, which is a screen name I love, uh, says Gary favorite magic favorite Magic the Gathering set. Uh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, uh, I love like modern. Um, I love all the Innistrad stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. All the Lovecraftian things like the Shadow of Innistrad set was incredibly good flavor. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then old from when I was like first playing um, and, and before that, I it's not a good set, but I always had tons of affection for Legends. And when they first put out the um, the set that reprinted mm-hmm. uh, old cards from Legends, I was just like ecstatic to get all these weird like glyphs and old weird legend characters that i'd read about mm-hmm. in like magic books so that's my favorite old set yeah even though it's a garbage set like it's really bad cards but <laughs> i like the good cards that's a good that's a good move that's a winning strap yeah <laughs> uh and then zero dark 30 also asks uh cole uh favorite jackbox game i really really like split the room yeah split the room's good yeah yeah you know that's a good one you know if i'm if i'm not gonna go with one of the power duo of koplash or fibbage yeah which are also really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on to our topic. Let's do it. Uh, um, we'll what's... get that spoosh, but then we have the body of the topic, and we're going to kind of take these two questions and merge them to be a kind of general discussion point. Right. I guess. Um, so I'll read it here. This is Greg. Uh, it says, I'm sure that you guys are aware of the trend these days of companies releasing games that are not fully baked and then patching them later on. I've seen a lot of debate online about how best to deal with this, but the main argument comes down to, should I support this company for what they did by buying the game after it's been patched and playable, thereby perhaps encouraging said company to continue to do this crappy thing, or should I boycott the game and never buy it, uh, even if it is in a playable state and is regarded as a great game, therefore sending a message with my wallet, but missing out on playing a good game. The biggest example I can think of is No Man's Sky, since a huge update just came out for it. I can see both sides of this issue, and in the past, I got around this by buying the game used. That's harder and harder in an all digital era. I'm curious to hear what you guys think about this. Yeah. Uh, so we're kind of combining this with the question about crunch and mm-hmm. the delay with Witcher three in as a kind of all purpose, like the ethics of being a video game consumer. Yes. Or the, the delay with cyberpunk 2077, uh, the, yes. like the, 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 the smaller question at the start of the cyberpunk delay question is like, Hey, what do you guys think of delays? Um, I think that we can dispense with that. And this will probably inform my posture for the bulk of this, which is delay play, to, to delay yeah. everything take all the time you need there is no shortage of games as long as you are not making elden ring you can delay because we're like we need to make plans against that yeah the, the, um, <laughs> it, it's interesting because the the delay question like there are two sides to the argument uh for it and mm-hmm. and I, I agree with you like obviously like delay right yeah. but if you as a uh as a consumer mm-hmm. delay because yeah. i that is how the game gets done mm-hmm. you know if somebody says like you know, hey, I'm cooking you a steak, and I I told you it'd be eight minutes to cook the steak, but it's going to be ten. You don't want the steak. You know, I'm, I'm using it as a bad example because you can be that rare. Yeah. I'm cooking you chicken. Yeah. Um, I told you it's going to be thirty minutes, but it's actually going to be forty. Mm-hmm. Saying no, stick to the thirty. I'll eat raw chicken mm-hmm. is amongst the dumbest postures that gamers have. <laughs> right? It's so stupid. Like yeah. it is just like yes, you're mad that like the company was quote unquote dishonest initially. Mm-hmm. That shows uh, just a remarkable lack of maturity and understanding of how creative things are done. Yeah, it is a huge complicated thing with hundreds of people involved, tons of forces, publisher forces, and stuff like that. Expecting an accurate down to the moment 
you know, just be like, well, for where I come from, a businessman keeps their word. No, like, no, they don't. Up. Fuck you. No, they don't. They never <laughs> did. That is a weird fake idea that was invented to like boost up mechanics. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like it, it is. It's so dumb. Yeah. And then from a human standpoint, which is always more important than your gamer standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Delay because people might not get exploited as much. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, so, so the 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 secret to the, the you know the, the the secret short answer to this is because there is no ethical consumption or capitalism. A that is not an excuse to just go and be shitty. It is just a way to you know live in the world is to yes. a, a, acknowledge that. So because that is the case, and because you know it sucks that you are only empowered as a consumer. You know, um, and even then your 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 dollar does not actually buy you that much of a vote. The only answer for this is more democratized workplaces in video yeah. game development. So fucking unionize. Yeah, yeah. Do do the best, you know, you and, and we're we're that's to developers as a consumer, mm-hmm. we don't have any control over whether that happens. Right. That's gonna be an exceedingly slow process. <laughs> right. For like the industry to get on that page. Mm-hmm. Right. Like uh capitalism's big mm-hmm. powerful like there's a lot of a full head of steam behind it yeah there's a lot of ways that we're just used to doing things <laughs> and, and, and guess what they get to write the rules so they write the rules and people are cheering them on like mm-hmm. when people are like i cannot believe you're delaying yeah they are cheering on the wrong side of it yeah so and those are not the developers and stuff those are just straight up the consumers right mm-hmm. like those are the people who who exist in this world but you run into a trap where like and it's a very common trap and it's something that i see more in conservative thinking than I see in other thinking. I'm not saying this is all conservatives, but there's mm-hmm. a, a thing people can do where it's like, if you can't help everybody, help nobody. Right. You know, and I, and I think that's a shitty perspective right. on the world. Like, everybody counts. Mm-hmm. And I will, there's no shortage of games. Like, I will wait as long as it takes. Like, mm-hmm. every game that I've ever loved and played, I would take as much delay as it would take for no one to be exploited to make it. Yep. Because they're, the pie is infinitely huge. Mm-hmm. I will die before I get to play every game I want to play. Right. Um, the idea of caring about a delay like that at any real person's expense who, like, you know, it's not an abstract. Like, it's a weird thing, gamers. Like, these people exist. Mm-hmm. They have families and, and lives and rich internal yeah. processes and all the same things you do. Everyone else in the world has – spoiler. Like, <laughs> everyone else is a person as well. You are not the – how does this affect me, the main character of reality? Like, <laughs> don't be that person. Yeah. You know? No, um, and, you know, here's here's the other thing. If we cannot convince, you know, the, the, the straw man that we are talking to, if we cannot convince the aggregate of all of the assholes on Twitter that we have yes. that, that we are holding in our mind that caring about people is a good thing to do. Um, guess what? Happy workers are better workers. They make better, well, cooler stuff. You don't. Otherwise, you're eating the raw chicken. Yeah. You know, or you're eating the chicken that the the cook push through, Mm -hmm. you know, and study after study shows this, right? Like every country where, uh, people get more time off and workers are treated better, have higher Mm -hmm. productivity and higher workplace satisfaction, like basically across the board. Um, it's not debatable Mm -hmm. as like, as a, as a correct perspective. And there's also like just a right sizeness too. So like there's something that in, in thinking that I think about, um, where like, balancing conveniences uh to where for some people the inconvenience that they have personally is bigger than any inconvenience anyone can have at any scale mm-hmm. so like let's say final fantasy 7 gets delayed it did 
It did. Yeah. I'm, that's why I'm using an example. <laughs> um, and so if you think about yourself and what if you could quantize or somehow formulate the misery that you feel having to wait two months to play Final Fantasy VII Remake, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's on you. And what does that look like? Like if you visualize it as like a unit of misery. Yeah. And then can think about what it would be like to work 70 hour weeks for three months in a row. Mm hmm. And then visualize that misery. Yeah. And then multiply it by that staff. Like how from a purely utilitarian standpoint, are you not putting your needs second mm-hmm. in in that situation? Like it just drives me nuts. Yeah. The wrong way to be. It mm-hmm. is a shitty philosophy. Yeah. We're not put on this earth to do that. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like as far as, you know, getting to, okay, so what do we as consumers again with our, you know, limited power? Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, so to speak as as Americans specifically, we're empowered as, as consumers and little else. And even that power we have as consumers, not that great. Literally, you know, like the thing that you do when you're deciding what to reward, you know, the decision. Okay, I do not want to reward X Y Z behavior. Um, that is, I to me in my mind, less powerful than rewarding the good behavior. So, like. Mm. I don't know. It's pretty cool to me that Slime Rancher, which is a good game, was made without crunch, right? Yeah. They made it and they shipped it. And that is a studio that never crunches. I will, you know, when that comes up, I will always bring it up. If you're a person who has a voice, if you're a person who, guess what, in the modern landscape, plays things and talks about them because we all do on Twitter, like actually like talking up the good thing. Um, is the way, one of the ways to, you know, to help this is to, mm-hmm. you know, is for studios to advertise that they are doing the right thing. So we can, so we can reward them for it and, you know, actually kind of like raise, raise that as behavior that should be modeled. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's interesting because it plays into, you know, uh, these are as much as this is behavior that should be modeled mm-hmm. that. Uh, does not have an independent relationship with it, – it's not totally divorced. As much as your joy and what you like takes a back seat, it, it's not totally divorced mm-hmm. from that kind of thing. So you end up with situations like uh, – you know, I have not played Slime Rancher. I'm sure it's great. Mm-hmm. Let's say you just don't like, like Slime Rancher. I'm not trying to say you have a moral imperative to play Slime Rancher because it was made under good conditions. Right. You know, like that's not – really what it is it's a it's a it's a concern but it's not a primary concern right you know and as that plays into the boycotting part you know like mm-hmm. voting with your dollars uh for things i think that like you know we something we say all the time like everybody draws their own line mm-hmm. you you do your you know we talked on this show or this specific sub show before about like moral offsets basically yeah yeah like you know i will i'm gonna play the shit out of cyberpunk yep. i don't like you know that it was delayed is probably good mm-hmm. they're probably still doing crunch no, they are. They've, they've, they've yeah, said it. Yeah, they're, they're crunching it up to do it. That sucks. Uh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I think that studio is is problematic. I'm still probably going to play that game. Um, I am going to talk up other games that do what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I am going to continue to be like an ally and supporter of, you know, some of the, the you know, oppressed people that CD Projekt Red is shitty to. Yeah. We're going to do all those things and end up in the end being like a person who is not cut and dry, like, black or white (laughs) right you're living correctly or incorrectly yeah my 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 existence can't be a political statement that is exhausting (laughs) 
Yes, I, I, you know, I, the idea of like, being a hundred percent, you know, hypocrisy does not invalidate everything that a person is mm-hmm. being a hundred percent consistent in your positions like that is unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean that there aren't games that like, you know, but when I say a line, you know, that there's really a line. There are games where I do feel like I don't want to give them my money. Mm-hmm. I don't, not on the illusion that that has tons of power. Right. Like me not giving, uh, Ion Fury, mm-hmm. uh, money. Right. Because they're they're shitheads and they double down on being shitheads mm-hmm. uh, does not uh, is not going to make that big of a difference. Right. You know, it's more about how I feel like I'd feel dirty doing it. Mm-hmm. I'd I, feel shitty. Yeah. You know, you know, and like when I play Cyberpunk 2077, which I'm going to do, like, I don't know, it's going to, you know, it's going to come up like the labor practices of that studio is going to come up. It's going to be part of the conversation. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that you know, is, is the kind like kind of the least that we can do. In that. You have to think about it. Yeah. You know, you have a responsibility to think about it. You don't mm-hmm. have a responsibility to come down on one end or the other. Yeah. And that's one of the things about the stuff that I think reactionaries get. So, uh, one thing that, you know, if to the degree that like people who are right about this labor stuff, which mm-hmm. is us, like <laughs> I, we're, we're not wrong about this labor right. stuff. Yeah. Like we, you know, there's no good argument mm-hmm. for this crunch stuff. Um, the degree to which we can win hearts and minds, uh, one, you know, probably not just by saying we're right about it and other people are wrong. <laughs> I was, I mean, was, was going to take, take it as right. Yeah. I was going to say right. we, yeah. weird sequencing in your thoughts there, Butterfield. Yeah. Okay. No, no, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's like, the way I think is kind of like a musical jazz. Uh, the, the, uh, but, uh, the way to win hearts and minds is not to tell, like, you know, if you're like, you've decided you want to boycott CD project red because of crunch. Right. The way to win hearts and minds is to say, hey, I don't feel good about this because of X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to do it. Yep. The way not to win hearts and minds is to be, I can't believe anybody would fucking do this. It's, um, you know, you're a fucking asshole and monster if you play this game. Mm-hmm. Unfriend me now. Yeah. That it, is a way for people that is a like people are just going to like shut you out because it sounds, you know, hysterical mm-hmm. and is not nuanced and does not provide any reasoning and mm-hmm. you know behind it and does not like take into account the fact that like you know there is no ethical consumption like you can make that bold stance mm-hmm. i guarantee there's something that like you partake in or buy that is equally problematic if not more yeah you like almonds yeah you, you like <laughs> almonds do you yeah exactly <laughs> like that's, that's exactly it are you are you eating almond butter right now <laughs> well but wait, know, i got some news for you <laughs> Let's get into the Olympics of what does the most damage. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, uh, and, and also, like, decide, like, okay, so, like, what, what what am I trying to accomplish here? Is persuasion what I'm what I'm trying to do, yeah. you know, in this, in, in this interaction? Um, it might not be, but understand that if you are entering into a conflict with somebody over the way that they have decided to consume um, and persuasion isn't your goal, but you're getting into the conflict anyway, all that you're kind of doing is punching somebody and expecting question mark. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you don't have an end game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there, there's, there's uh, no end game to it. And persuading somebody of something is really hard. Yes. Like one of the soft rules of the slack is this is not a place to change anybody else's mind. Yeah. Nobody's mind has been changed by an entry in a text field. Yep, never. Like yeah. it just it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You can express yourself really well. You can sometimes bounce your ideas off somebody and come to a better understanding of mm-hmm. something, but you're not going to you're unlikely to be able to persuade in that situation. Yeah. Um, so if that is not your goal, you know, sometimes you can lead by example. You can gently like I think think about I don't know how universal this is, 
But like if I am going to be persuaded by something or I'm going to adopt an opinion, Mm -hmm. I have never been told to adopt that opinion. Right. I've always seen it and then been like, yeah, that makes sense for me. Oh, yeah. okay, I like that. That matches up. Like I was not aware of the full picture of this, but this person has, you know, like this person has stated it or demonstrated. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, like that actually is totally reasonable. That that, 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 that fits in with my greater worldview. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, that is why online discourse stuff is so frustrating. And Mm -hmm. we're not just trying to pivot this into a general thing. Like, it also very much applies to this. But the like, hey, listen up, you're not ready to have this conversation yet. But this is is horseshit is never going to do a thing. Yeah. Other than like express the anger of the person doing it, which mm-hmm. is valid and and can be useful, but yeah. it's not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, maybe maybe it shouldn't involve a, a, a relatively innocent third party in expressing yeah. the anger. <laughs> like, don't, yeah. Well, why are you angry with me? Yeah, that, like that's yeah, completely a thing, and it's not. It's not going to change the systems in place that, that we are. And, and, and that's the thing again, back to no ethical consumption, right? Like individual action is always going to be um, outweighed by systemic change, right? Yes. Whether it's uh, day one DLCs or plastic straws, yes. <laughs> you know, like what you yeah. do, you know, you, you can have your own, you, you can have your own concept about, you know, boil, you know, put it being a drop in the ocean or whatever, but like have perspective on that as well. Yeah. 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 It's not that it doesn't count, but it just right size it. Yeah. You know, so like playing into kind of greater ethical concerns, not just crunch, but Mm -hmm. also like day one DLC or EA's suite of live service bullshit. Like basically anything (laughs) Jim Sterling says in in a Jim Sterling voice, you know, uh, any of those things like, yeah, they suck. Yes. If everyone decided they sucked and stopped buying them, Mm -hmm. they would go away. Yeah. The secret is uh, most people aren't as bothered by them as you are. Yep. Uh, you know, like companies, businesses are extremely easy to understand. <laughs> if they're doing right? something, it's because it's made them money. Yes. Like businesses are predictable. Yeah. Businesses are not complicated machines. Like they will do things that make them more money. They will avoid doing things that make them less money, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no other concerns. Yeah. They you make know, mistakes. Like, Sometimes they step out on a limb and there's biffs, but like generally that is their motivation. It's always and, their motivation. Yeah. And generally they are basing that decision on something. Yes. So like if... So while it is true that EA would stop doing live services or day one DLC if everyone who complained about online stopped buying them, Mm -hmm. uh, that thing, most people don't – not if everyone complained online, if everyone stopped buying them. Mm -hmm. But the people complaining about them online are kind of a minority. Yeah. And those games have something that people like. Yeah. So they buy them. And, you know, you think about just the kind of people who are not part of this discussion who, like, buy Madden games from 7-Eleven every year. Yeah. You know, who are just like, you know, that's just an example of somebody who is doesn't have your relationship with the industry. Yeah. Um, it's just like it's not costing the A money. Mm-hmm. They ain't going to do it, you yeah. know, and and the way that companies make those changes is when like it's like the, the cultural wind shifts in a way that, yes, we individually have power over, but. It's a long goal, Yeah. you know, like Kleenex started, you know. Kleenex does an ad campaign that has, uh, you know, a person that's like a, they you all know, body posit like a fat person in it. Mm-hmm. Didn't do that because somebody at Kleenex had a change of heart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now now we are edging into woke brand territory. 
Yeah, exactly. Like there yeah. are no woke brands. Mm-hmm. There are no woke game companies. Like uh, you know, other than the Slime Rancher people, God, <laughs> God save them. But like you know, they they do they they decided to make uh, uh, this kind of thing because the winds changed. And one of the things I think about a lot with that is how am I just now seeing fat people in yeah. ads? Are fat people new? <laughs> like, uh, absolutely this- not. Is it is it is this and but now it's like every once in a while I'll see like a slightly chunky model uh-huh. uh, on a outside of a torrid yeah. uh, in a mall, and I'm like, if that's how long it took for something that's literally just an, an epidemic, people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, an epidemic, <laughs> yeah, like literally just an epidemic and something that has existed for in the entirety yeah. of history to end up in our ads, like. What is me not buying? Will I die before me not buying a game that has D one day one DLC changes mm-hmm. that? Yeah, you know, I don't and know. Just, it, 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 this also arrives at very funny moments, like last year's E three, where all of these publishers got up and said, you know, they announced their games, and then they say like it's a feature and no loot boxes. Yeah, God, I love that so much. Like <laughs> because... you, you know, causing a problem and then wanting a pat on the back for like solving the problem. Yeah. Oh, I saved your yeah. life because I, 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 I could have pushed you off this I, ledge, but I, did I didn't shoot you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm saving people's life all the time. Cause I don't kill them. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> so, uh, it just uh, like, yeah, man, I just, this, this happens all the time. We're like, I'll drive by somebody that I know and I mm-hmm. will think I could honk at them and really like, you know, jolt them. And then I don't. And then I feel good about not doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Always want that cookie for like not touching the stove. Yeah. Yeah. Or not putting someone else's hand on the stove. Right. So something that's interesting that I was just thinking, this just bubbled into my brain while we're talking about this. And yeah. it's something to be interrogated, right? So yeah. like maybe somebody listening to this is screaming at us because this is something I didn't really consider until now. Mm-hmm. Kind of the thrust of what we're, t- I like, at least what I don't want to speak for you, but what I've been talking about with this uh, kind of plays into like, I almost think that there is a good reason to do this dollar vote stuff on indie publishers and less of a good reason to do it for EA. Okay. You know, like, it's like, I feel good about like not giving money to Ion Storm. I still, or Ion Fury. I still mm-hmm. don't think it's going to make a big difference. Yeah. You know? Um, but I feel like the, the giving them money would make me feel shittier because it's a smaller relationship. Like I have a relationship with those guys that they could, they're just dudes my age probably yeah. who, who made a game. It's not like a multi continent spanning mega corp, yeah. you know, and there is a degree of, you know, I like this sucks, but mm-hmm. there is a degree of like having more power over small people. Yeah, you know, smaller developers like that, and is that fair or good? Like, probably not. You know, I, I think it's just a reflection of the reality, like just the the number of people involved. Like, I don't know, I could probably hold my own in a fight against the Ion Fury guys, <laughs> or at least yeah. you know, like if I was given five minutes in their office, I could probably take most of their systems offline. <laughs> Sure, sure. Like if, if Duck Feed versus the Ion Fury devs. I'm not saying like I want to do that. Chance, you know, <laughs> but, but, like in an Anchorman kind of rumble way. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a good idea or that's something that I that, that, that I want to do. I am fine just shaming them for having a chance to fix things and doubling down. Um, you know, uh, but I think that it, like that isn't, you know, you're not reveling in having a relatively higher, you know, amount of power against an indie. Like, I think that is just a reflection of the reality. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it just it's it it clings on my brain to say, like, yes, resist the small people, don't resist the big people. But I do think that, like, I'm not even saying don't resist EA. Like, it's just make the decision for yourself if it bugs you. Yeah. You know, like in Greg's question, like, 
you know, he's like, should I, should I morally do this? Mm -hmm. And like, does it bother you? Will giving them money make you feel bad and impact your enjoyment of the game? Mm -hmm. You know, that's you drawing your own line. I guess that is like the takeaway and the advice that I would have. Right. Yeah. It, it all comes back to, comes back to drawing, uh, drawing your own line. And like, the, like there, there are externalities to this too. Like, I don't know, like maybe you can't delay something forever because the studio will go out of business because of their burn rate or something like yeah. that. Yeah, You know, like just the, like the, there are like real business factors, but you know, crunch is always a symptom of mismanagement. Uh, you know, yeah. and in larger studios, you know, what we are often talking about is bad business practices as opposed to with small studios like do you know doing something that is you know yes offensive in a different realer way right yeah, that is a way there's a way bigger difference like the systemic way that games are made yeah. on that scale of, of the ea scale where like this is hundreds of people and thousands of man hours and millions right. of dollars is a different set of problems than Hey, two of the guys on the Ion Fury team decided to put some transphobic and homophobic jokes mm -hmm. in their game, and then when confronted about it, doubled down. Right. That's a totally different scale of problem, and one of those is a more defeatable problem, I mm -hmm. think. You know. So yeah, I, good good point. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I'm all fired up now. <laughs> um, I just. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I was kind of all over the road on that, but I don't know. It's it's something that I you know I think about quite a bit. Yeah, but. well, we weren't going to like make a cogent solving it conversation about ethics and game purchasing, right? Right. You know, it's just like uh, those are kind of scattered thoughts, but that's mm -hmm. basically what I think that we were able to provide yeah. or we're ever going to be able to provide it just it just sucks that this has been a problem forever you know like i just i remember back in the early 2000s you know when i first became aware of this like the from the ea wives group right or yeah. the ea widows or whatever it was where like yeah. just the wives of these developers uh came and said yeah no i i lost my husband to his job yeah yeah, yeah. and th it reminds me of like um you know police shooting black people as a thing where like this problem is not new Right. We just awareness has raised. Yes. You know, there right. are cameras everywhere. Like, it's not like it's naive to say, like, hey, crunch is this thing now. <laughs> no, no, it's, you know, it's yeah. pretty ingrained mm -hmm. as a as a thing. And and, and there are there are there's your slime ranchers and there's like uh, Scott Benson's yeah. uh, the, the organization, the collective that he's part of. Mm -hmm. They helped found the Glory Society, I think, is the name of that. Yep. Um, you know, there are some rumblings of a different way. Yeah. But you know, the, the arc of progress bends slowly. Yep. And it doesn't bend on its own. It bends through the effort of all kinds of people, you know, bending it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yep. Uh, all kinds of pretty scattered, but hopefully you got something out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And if not, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like, uh, we are really behind on topics. Uh, last time we talked about doing a topic roundup, uh, we mean it this time. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go and just kind of really lightning round a bunch of topics and put up an episode for our patrons mm -hmm. uh, soon. Yeah. Um, we will have another one of these prompts in about a month. Mm -hmm. um, so look at our Patreon. These are always fun. Thank you, everybody, for asking. Yes. Uh, questions. And now we are going to move on to... Uh, your responses yeah. to January's games. Yep. We have Dusk and we have Shadowrun. Nobody running about the cat lady. That's a bummer. I know. It, it sparked some like lively conversation on the Slack, but mm -hmm. I'm surprised I, nobody wrote in. Yeah. 
That's fine. If, if you have uh, if you have thoughts about the cat lady, um, go ahead and send them in. We can include them in a as a late late response, you know, down the line. And we will if we like you. Yeah. Well, if, if the response is good, I don't know. Yeah. But if the response is dog but, shit, but, but that's the, that's that's the case for everything. So I'm just kidding. I did wear this hostel. I'm still all radicalized. I need to go like go like watch Parasite in the the cool down tent. <laughs> Like, just uh, at, at the duck feed compound, there will just be a small viewing room that is always showing parasite for, for yeah, when you get angry about capitalism. When you turn around, it's uh, sorry to bother you. Yeah, and it's just both those movies. Yep, uh, just kind of you know, we'll just have a dedicated room to like for all the different issues. Yep. Like this is the get out room. Um, <laughs> please join us in the get out room for when you're mad about uh, you know how white people benefit from structural racism, <laughs> right? Oh, Jesus. Uh, So Jacob writes in about Dusk. Um, Why in the world it took me so long to play Dusk is beyond me. People describe this game by using certain words such as Lovecraftian, House of Leaves, Deus Ex, Blood, and Thief. All things I love, but unfortunately, I'd forgotten about it somehow. It was like my brain couldn't process so much good shit all at once and blotted it out. Thankfully, due to this podcast, my mistake has been rectified. It's now one of my favorite games of all time. Thanks. Side note, I'm shocked that Gary, that it was Gary, not Cole, who mentioned House of Leaves first. I was just heading him off. <laughs> also, I pull that punch a lot because yeah. I am already a parody of myself in a lot of ways. So I, I try not to add to the din. I just t- take it as read that reconfiguring spaces will work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, glad you got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out a cool thing since we recorded that episode. Okay. Uh, the game that the uh, Dusk fella is working on is the same game uh, that I'd known about for a little bit that a guy named um, Taffer King or Jolly Rogers 99 on Twitter mm-hmm. is working on called uh, Gloom World, I think is the name of it. Okay. And it, it looks like a uh, stealth shooter thief-like uh, in the 2.5D retro style. And it looks incredible. Like I've been following it for a while and I did not know that it was the Dust Guy's new project. Oh, cool. So extremely excited. Like uh, Jolly Rogers 99, uh, Taffer King uh, is somebody who, if you are an 0451 person, mm-hmm. is really fun to follow because uh, they appreciate those games in the same way, uh, you know, in the way that I resonate with. Uh-huh. Um, and a lot of like them just like, hey, I just decided to replay uh, Bring More Witches. Here's a thread of pictures of wainscoting. Mm. you know from from this really good dishonored game and i'm like shit that is good wayne scott you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> they are really good at that Oof, these, are, these are like the best environments in the yeah we'll, we'll, we'll wait till he gets the crown molding thread gary yeah. <laughs> like, hell yeah dude way into it so i i cannot wait for that game uh and it's a really really exciting cantilevered balconies beat still my heart yeah. <laughs> so the game has really great architecture man. i know super good every once in a while someone will just post like a like here look at this wood grain from dishonored and i'm like shit that is that's really good wood grain that company is good (laughs) um uh alex says via contact uh i was absolutely one of those people who kept pressing the r key out of reflex years of modern shooters have conditioned that kind of response that playful little spin was a great reminder that dusk isn't that kind of game i still kept pressing r but now i just get to do it for fun oh and more games should let you do backflips Agreed. Agreed. See our conversation about Tony Hawk being remade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I like I, I add it onto the pile of games that have purely aesthetic buttons. Yeah. The yeah. pet button, like the yeah. pet blob button. 
Yes. The, uh, uh, the, 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 the sing or whistle button in uh, transistor. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, Mike says via contact, I replayed a bit of Dusk this month to coincide with your episode, and something I'm noticing, and apologies if you mentioned it on the show and I missed it, is how generous the game's hitboxes are, uh, which I'm finding is a crucial component of why the combat works so well. Circle strafing is obviously an important factor in staying alive in Dusk, given that you can dodge any enemy projectile. So the fact that the game is so lenient about not having to be pinpoint accurate means you can divert that attention into staying on the move at all times. It's a small but critical balance that makes dusk one of the most satisfying shooters in a long time yeah we uh, i think we missed talking about that on the show but it's definitely something mm-hmm. i've noticed through playing yeah and it's, it is awesome i don't know and i don't know for for, for for my own preferences it is more fun to dodge things than than to shoot things mm-hmm. you know so no it's also i love when uh you know developers cheat in your favor like there was yes. a big uh thread of oh, those on twitter that. a while that ago so and good. That's, yeah it's so it's so fun mm-hmm. you know and it's a uh, it's such a good such a good feeling, mm-hmm. you know, like all in Bioshock, you know, enemies missing, mm-hmm. you know, always programmed to miss the first hit. Yes. That's so good. Like yeah. always cheating the player's favor. <laughs> like it, it's, it's, you know, like I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan says via conduct. Uh, hearing you'd be covering Dusk made me pull the trigger on picking it up, and boy, am I glad I did. I'm generally on Team Gary when it comes to loving my systems-intensive games, but Dusk is a delightfully refreshing refreshing system-intensive game. Uh, system is capitalized. Uh, Dusk has one verb and does it extraordinarily well. Move shoot. No <laughs> bells or whistles, just run and gun. I was delighted to return to the Quake days with what is arguably the best level design of its type. What surprised me most was how effective of a horror game Dusk is. It shows a mastery of the jump scare that puts most survival horror games to shame, and all with a low-poly aesthetic. The first run, uh, running with the Elk Beast, damn near gave me a heart attack. <laughs> Dusk is making a play for my game of the year, but as much as I love it, it's not perfect. It's a weird choice to put the three weakest levels uh, at the end of the game, and the control scheme for Homecoming shows that the engine can't handle every idea. But the ride up until uh, the chore of a final boss is still some of the best throwback gaming around. Thanks for getting me to play it. Yeah, it's a good common, common story in this response is people saying, I had no idea this existed, and now I don't know how to live without it. That's great. That yeah. was that always, I was like, I'm going to convince you to try Dusk. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I, I'm doing my part to add some Dusk sales to the pile. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they don't do crunch. If they do, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. I, there's uh, in the Slack also people, uh, some people are complaining about the homecoming level. I like the homecoming level. Hmm. I don't really, the the one with the gravity stuff. I think that if you died, if there's fall damage, yeah, it would suck. But the mm-hmm. fact that you just kind of loop, like I th- think that actually works pretty well. Yeah. It, it, the, the, the bummer for me was the motion sickness. But oh, sure. Is, yeah. Ah. F- falling ah. sideways is very disorienting, and I know that that is the, the point of it. But yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, like the level design, I don't think anybody talks about this, so I can just say this. Like top-notch level design and also top, top-notch sound design. Like that is so important for this kind of shooter, like mechanically, but also aesthetically as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, you know that's one of the things we we, you know, we I just finished Death of the Outsider mm-hmm. for uh, Watch Out for Fireballs, and I just like remember when uh, it was like 2014 or whatever, and there's that famous piece of graffiti that was like, "It's the economy, stupid." <laughs> you yeah. know, do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Um, I just feel like grabbing games and just be like, "It's the level design, stupid." Mm-hmm. Like that—that that is the the thing that you know you don't have. Like yeah. if, if if your game doesn't feel like particularly good, if there's something missing, mm-hmm. like that is probably the secret ingredient. Mm-hmm. This not being super good, and it is a is a common ingredient in games that are just like astounding and good. Yes, great level design. Yeah, um, Love it. Ryan writes in via contact saying, "Dusk is the first game that I have bought and beat after hearing it was coming up for WAF, and what a fantastic one to choose! 
After finding the super shotgun on accident in the first level and seeing enemies turn on each other from a wayward projectile, I knew the game would need to do a lot to make me not adore it. Thankfully, it never seemed to truly drop the ball, and missions like Ghost Town and Escher Labs made up for any shortcomings. Two small notes regarding the episode. First, you are, you are able to switch back to a single pistol or shotgun, uh, or even from sword to scythe, by pressing the corresponding number while having that weapon out already. Second, there is an Easter egg method that makes the initial fight with the Guardian much less of a pain. You can telefrag him with the teleporter. I found this out purely by accident after a few deaths, and after realizing uh, what had happened, I floated into the nameless city on cloud nine. It's a great phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for all you guys do, especially the increase in video content between the Duckfeed Memorial Dun the Duckfeed Memorial the, the. Dungeon Estate and Bonfire Sideshot Rewinds. The, the, the. The, the two, yeah, the two those are okay. not intentional, but it is the name of the estate on okay. accident. Yeah, the, 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 the Duckford Memorial Dungeon Estate. Yep. Um, yeah, you're doing you're doing a series uh, of uh, Darkest Dungeon Let's Plays on the Duckfeed YouTube channel, youtubecom slash TV. And uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching those. The response has been really nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, I did not know that you could switch back to the single weapons. Mm -hmm. but that's interesting to know. Yep. Um, and what a great uh, tip for the uh, Guardian, because that guy's a pain in the dick. Yeah. And telefragging is always wonderful. I yep. I never intentionally did it in Death of the Outsider, but it's there. It's a uh, it's actually a real uh, weird kind of secret way to the um, the envisioned. Mm -hmm. It brings them to their like, you know, death state. Oh, wow. In one move, yeah, just for a little bit of health. So Nice. Um, yeah, that's something I discovered this playthrough. I'd never done that before, but I'm like, oh, that takes care of these fuckos. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I fun thought... Fun to fight, but are kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, I never I never managed to kill one. I just I, I just oh. avoided them, yeah. Um, before we do the episode, watch the uh, death animation for them. Okay. It's immensely satisfying. Cool. Uh, Darren says, by contact, uh, I'm glad you both think Dusk slaps, bangs, and if I may so, whips ass. Uh, when I played through this new twist on a classic favorite, I, uh, this is full of references. Um, I uh, encountered what was what was realized late. What I realized later was a stupid glitch before the penultimate boss, Lucas. I ran around that forest uh, clearing beforehand, gathering eldritch stones and filling up on ammo, expecting one final combat challenge before the credits. But when I stepped through the portal, I found myself dumped into a boss encounter with no weapons. Uh oh! So I, oh, so I immediately started backpedaling away in a circle around the edge of the arena. Lucas was doing his best to end me while I hauled ass, scrambling uh, to think about how I was supposed to beat this bunny-hopping lunatic with an empty arsenal. After a minute or two, I noticed that some of Lucas's attacks would damage us both, with him slightly more so. Was this my strategy? To trick him into blowing himself up repeatedly? Wow. Cut to 15 minutes later. I'm still running full tilt backwards while he occasionally blows us both up a little bit. He's lost a third of his health. I've lost about a quarter of mine. <laughs> Is the game trying to teach me that shooter protagonists are ultimately their own worst enemies? <laughs> Unlikely. But even so, do I have the patience to keep doing this for another half of an hour? Oh, wow. Uh, of, for, of fucking course not. So I pause the game and look at what I'm supposed to be doing. Finding seemingly nobody else online who suffered this glitch, I reload my save from the clearing before the portal, go through again, and find myself properly armed and dangerous, ready to properly murder this FPS protagonist this time. 60 sec seconds later, I'm fighting Naralathotep, and all is right with the world. <laughs> I know this is an abject suffering, but who is Cart Dog? The fuller references. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that it was just like me fighting the two golems in uh, Jade Empire. Uh huh. This is essentially what I was doing. Yeah. It sucked. But I love, you know, so like Lucas's fight definitely lasted longer than 60 seconds for me. Like you put yourself into this weird like training and double gravity mode uh, mm. of like dodging his attacks and managing, like figuring out how to manage his movement. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by you, I mean Darren. Darren for this. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Uh, moving on to Shadowrun uh, returns responses. What does uh, Eric have to say? Yeah, Eric says. Or Shadowrun Dragonfall. Oh, yeah. Um, Eric says, I played all three of January's games and I expected the cat lady to be the one that depressed me. Uh, but when I came to the end of Dragonfall, I felt a real bone deep sadness. I didn't feel good about a single decision that I made during the end game. Yet none of the alternatives sounded particularly appealing either. Even though I'd succeeded at my group's mission, I finished the game feeling small and helpless, knowing that even though I'd saved my community, the powers that be remained terrifying and untouchable. That's an emotional state that I feel constantly in life, but pretty much never feel in video games. Yeah. Yeah, good good observation. Yep, good good summation. Yeah, uh, Yeah. I think Shadowrun, uh, you know, is, you know, like a lot of cyberpunk in that that is... That is kind of what they're, you know, what they're aiming for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You should feel powerless in the face of capitalism in yep. Shadowrun. Yep. So, um, yeah. And it is, it is kind of like a bittersweet note. Yeah. At the end, for sure. Um, Riley says, uh, Dragonfall is one of my favorite games. So I'm glad you finally got a chance to cover it. I love taking over Monica's role of helping out her crew and commune. That the crew are complex people and just flattering Iger isn't going to work. And finding Monica herself wasn't some messiah, her solutions were often flawed, getting Kimmy addicted and the fact that things start to fall apart without her. But by practicing mutual aid, helping to uh, build things back up and just caring for people, your little slice of the F-state becomes something worth fighting for. It's a cyberpunk game that is firmly punk. The world may be a bleak capitalist hellscape where it feels impossible to make meaningful change, but those rebellious ideals are still ideals worth holding on to, and making things even a little bit better is still a good thing. As the saying goes, to change everything, start anywhere. Uh, that's a great saying. Okay. Uh, I've never heard that before. Uh, finally, Dragonfall contains one of my favorite dialogue checks in any game. Uh, Adrian tries to cite the bombing of Hiroshima to support his plan of killing innocent people for the greater good. But with the academic etiquette excuse me, and knowledge of history, you can turn it around on him, pointing out that his example isn't actually true. As a historian, being able to swat down that common ahistorical argument <laughs> and it actually helping me uh, convince him felt great. Yeah, I really liked hitting that check as well. Yeah. yeah. It's also just like a wonderful encounter. Yeah. You know, that philosophical end and, and, and stuff of that. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be a come down after like, Death of the Outsider is awesome. Yeah. Like, we have all bangers, you know, this year so far on the schedule like basically mm-hmm. uh but like boy does that that's stiff competition yeah so what a game mm-hmm. uh we, we we didn't really talk about semi kimmy um oh yeah but that, that, that is an amazing npc and storyline i didn't finish it with her because i just i i didn't go to that part of the map very often but like when i realized that she was talking to me like and i put together that she was maria from the sound of music mm-hmm. yeah just the, yeah. the the entire idea of btls in general um, I'm way into. Totally. Yeah. There's also a, a story I, you know, still learning things about this game, even though I played it three times and uh, things. Uh, somebody in the Slack was talking about how, um, you know, there's there's the dancer uh-huh. on the right. And they were like, oh, you know, make sure you put uh, money in the tip jar every time. But looking, interacting with her tip jar, I thought would be stealing from it. Oh, yeah. So I didn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I, I uh, you know, dis- didn't end up doing it um so yeah i guess there's like a storyline for her as well that i missed oh huh, yeah so yeah good game 
Great game. Yeah. Fucking A. <laughs> uh, Simone writes via contact. Uh, Dragonfall is one of my favorite games. The tactical combat is strong without being punishing. The main plot is full of so many twists and turns, but more than anything, I felt something for the companions. The dialogue requires you to really role play and think about who you're talking to. I felt the same nerves broaching a difficult subject as I did in a sketchy battle. Uh, it took me a while to get the hang of it. But when I, when I finally advanced in my conversations with Glory, I felt immensely satisfied to earn her trust. When I had the opportunity to talk Marta down on Glory's lo loyalty mission, it felt like a huge kindness I could do for my friend. Uh, convincing Dietrich that there was a path forward for him warmed my heart. I don't know how to articulate it other than this is the most invested I've ever been in uh, companions. As much as I loved my Mass Effect crew, there was no Paragon option to spam here. They felt like real relationships. Uh, the soundtrack by John Everest is tasteful and evocative, and it holds up uh, through a long campaign. Glory's theme still tugs my heartstrings, uh, and as I type, I just cracked up hearing the theme of the <laughs> the theme of the Night Kings of Lightning Hold. God, that's a mm -hmm. fucking ridiculous name. Lightning hold, uh, <laughs> lightning hold, so good. Uh, <laughs> he does a similarly <laughs> he does similarly great work in BattleTech. The Hairbrain Schemes games were my introduction to Shadowrun, uh, and they made me a believer. I'm happy that they made BattleTech, but I'd love to see them return to Shadowrun regularly. Uh, if they keep uh, if they keep making them, I will keep playing them. Thank you for covering this game in such detail, and I encourage anyone listening to try for themselves. Yeah. I, I, my understanding is somebody reached out to me after we did the episode and uh -huh. told me that, um, I guess, uh, Hong Kong, Sharon Hong Kong got released with an epilogue, which what? I've not played. Okay. Uh, so when I play Hong, I'm, I'm starting a new Hong Kong playthrough for, uh -huh. for funzos. Yeah. Um, and I do the epilogue and the epilogue implies that Harebrained will come back to Shadowrun. Oh, but shit. it kind of talks about uh, going to some of their other properties like, oh, like it would be, you know, there's a, a little winky character is like, yeah, it would be fun to go do this and fun to do this. But I think we'll always return to the you know, the universe chatter or whatever. Yeah. Um, this is something that's obviously the developer talking. Nice. So it'd be really cool if they did. Yeah. I don't um, know, man, my time with Dragonfall, like it's the only one of those that I played, but I, 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 I trust that developer. Yeah. 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 Give me a, give me a Shadowrun returns uh, that takes place in Chicago, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would like a bug city uh, campaign. Mm -hmm. Now. <laughs> Yesterday. No delay. Um, crunch, crunch yeah, as much as yeah. you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. listen when it comes to me the consumer <laughs> and the main character of reality yes. the, the only moral crunch is the crunch that i demand i'm a gamer i deserve a treat yeah the, the only the only moral crunch is captain crunch um the uh he goes down with the chip chocolate chip yeah. chocolate chip captain oh. crunch funny. uh the uh the the uh, the music is something that we didn't we talked about in the episode but not quite as much as i wanted to yeah um when i edited the episode like I was absolutely spoiled for choice. Mm -hmm. Like I ended up using uh, Glory's loyalty mission theme because I, I love that one. Yeah. But it's so good. Mm -hmm. Like the the soundtrack to that game is like nonstop awesome songs. No, I've had like, uh, I've, I just I've, I've had the soundtrack for all three of them actually like running on YouTube uh, playlist yeah. just around the house. They put they uh, reuse a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the music from uh, Shadow and Returns ended up in Dragonfall. Mm -hmm. So yeah, good shit. Good, good. Absolutely. Um, and finally, uh, Michelle here uh, says via contact, uh, 
hey guys <laughs> uh, and then in parentheses you are encouraged to read this in the great voice so of course i will um i bought Shadowrun dragonfall on a steam sale a while back but bounced off the first dungeon a couple times because i wasn't in the mood for isometric combat when you announced it for WAF, i finally decided to dig in and really get my three dollars and 74 cents worth <laughs> and i was not disappointed uh it took me a couple of botched runs to realize I can't play this like a Bethesda game and try to talk my marks out of getting murdered. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just got to do what the contract says and put a bullet in a dude. And I really appreciate the game as a mercenary simulator. Mm -hmm. For most RPGs, playing as a mercenary just means give a sarc sarcastic dialogue choice when you accept the mission and get an extra 150 gold for your effort. In Shadowrun Dragonfall, you actually have to roleplay as somebody who has a contract to fulfill and going off book results in you losing out on your quest rewards, which is a pretty cool choice. Thanks again for giving me a reason to finally play this game and i'm looking forward to diving into shadow returns and hong kong in the near future yeah yeah see all uh, of my gushing about playing as a professional um in the yep. you know in the episode itself yep or the in the witcher 3 yep you know uh Baldur's gate 2 or anything like that like good rpg developers give you a context mm -hmm. for doing what you're gonna do bad rpg developers do not right they tell the messiah to go gather herbs <laughs> so like it's it's you know there's there's other things those games do well but like this specific like oh this makes sense yeah is so fucking important. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. good. Um, if you have anything to say about February's games, mm -hmm. uh, which are, uh, we want to hear your Atari memories. Mm -hmm. So uh, Atari, we're concentrating on the 2600. Mm -hmm. If you have like a lot of hot links or Jaguar takes, sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, sure. Uh, surprise, us. The, <laughs> surprise us. Surprise um, us. Death of the Outsider. Or XCOM, uh, enemy within slash unknown, hit mm -hmm. us up by, uh, or yeah, hit us up by February 15th. Yep. Duckfeed.tv slash contact. Remember that we like the responses to be uh, brief and specific. Yes. Yep. Oh. Um, everybody did a good job on that here. Thank you. Yeah, these are a great set of responses. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, it is time to announce March's games. Uh, yeah, I think some people are going to be pretty happy with this. I think so. I think some people are going to be desperately sad. <laughs> really? I, I don't actually think that now. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, we don't have to do it, man. So first up, um, we are, you know, one of the kind of soft goals, like in addition to doing a roguelike at some point for this mm -hmm. year, is to do more indie stuff yep. for the show. Um, so the first thing we're doing is a pick from our patron, uh, Tara. Uh, we're doing Valdis Story. Yeah. I was unaware of this game. This is a Kickstarter success, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Early Kickstarter success. That is a hybrid um, kind of character action Metroidvania mm -hmm. uh, game that is uh, Will, I guess, has been. I told Will I was doing this. I was like, yeah, I've been trying to get you to play that for years. <laughs> and I just, the name just it's, rolled it's, off my it's tongue. Pretty it's pretty Teflon y. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like the most Teflon y video game name that I've ever heard. So, like, <laughs> you know, I was just, oh, oh, that's the one. Yeah. It's like, it's like Valda Story City of the Abyss or something like that. Yeah. It, it's a pretty ridiculous name. <laughs> yeah. But I'm um, looking forward to playing it. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, and we're going to continue that theme a little bit, uh, because we're doing another patron pick. We've got Nicholas here who, uh, wants us to play Axiom Verge. Yeah. The Metroid-like, mm -hmm. not Metroidvania. It's a lot of Metroid DNA, uh, next to each other, but putting those together is kind of intentional. Yeah. It will be interesting to contrast, uh, something that takes a little bit of DNA for modern, you know, super Metroid games, mm -hmm. Metroidvanias versus one that is explicitly Metroid one. Yeah. Um, and I'm down for a glitchy aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks good. I, I bounced. There's a check it out comrade where he talked about this. I bounced off it uh, then, but my understanding is it has had some changes mm -hmm. uh, in between now and then. And I also like am now giving it a really serious run. Yeah, so. and I know Jerry, Jeremy Parrish loves it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be really good. I'm excited to play it. I'm going to get more indie. Like mm-hmm. we have also a bunch of indie in the, uh, the other, the months after this as well. So like make it, make an effort to, to kind of cover a wider range of games. Yeah. Um, and then finally our premium episode for that is also a patron pick, mm-hmm. um, Peter. Um, and this is a real big one. Uh, the hits keep coming. We're finally doing Ocarina of Time. Hi, the legend Hello. of Zelda. Yes, they, they were finally tackling the legend. Um, for a long time, GameFAQ's best game of all time until Undertale came along and embarrassed us all. Um, the um, best game of all time. Under- Are you kidding? Um, however, uh, this is something you know, we, we keep talking about. You know, Zelda games are a little bit like Metal Gear games or any of these mm-hmm. big franchises where we're like metting them out. Um, we talked a lot about like what Zelda game we want to do next. And like, it was like, oh, we're either going to do like Majora's Mask or Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. But we decided that like, it would be good to do a game that is in conversation with so many other Zelda games. Yes. Like uh, Ocarina of Time is really a fulcrum. Uh, it is the fulcrum around which like every, every entry in the series after it exists. Yes. It's, it's like, this is the rut. Yeah. But like, there's something to the first thing that makes the rut. Like, mm-hmm. Like I loved Ocarina of Time. Yeah. When I was a kid, I have not revisited it. I'm a little worried about it mm-hmm. just because I'm I'm like less friendly to that kind of thing, but it is really noteworthy. Yeah. Like it's extremely important to games. Um and it is interesting to just play the game that A Link Between Worlds and Breath of the Wild was ultimately like reacting against. Mm-hmm. You know, and they made a Link's Awakening remake because people reacting about, you know, again, what this turned into, Mm -hmm. you know, people were nostalgic for what happened before. Right. You know, this kind of became the codified, like, here's what our Zeldas are. Yeah. Um, And, you know, to be entirely honest with you, like this is our gateway to doing Majora's Mask, which is legit something that we have been wanting to do for an extremely long time, but we cannot do Majora's Mask without having the thing that it is an answer to. Well, that and more kind of, uh, to me, like more key, we could, if we did Majora's Mask, it would be really unsatisfying to do Ocarina of Time. Yes. Like it, it kind of, do, doing Majora's do... Mask felt like cutting off that branch. Yeah, cart and horse. And there is not a version of this show um, with this format, even, you know, changed to be, um, you know, even changed to be not necessarily retro um you know, retro focused. We, we we were going to do this. We were always going to do Ocarina of Time, and doing yep. anything that would uh, stop us from doing that, that wouldn't be too smart. Yeah, and so I'm kind of surprised it took this long, but I'm looking forward to getting it. Really looking forward to revisiting it. Yeah, looking forward to playing on the 3ds with the kind of quality of life changes. Yes, uh, that uh, that'll come through. That's the version I'm planning to play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, we have uh, it's it's all hits after that as well. Like the, uh, you know, April and May is basically planned out and it's all rad as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all of these are patron picks. Yes. So people have been really generous. Um, that's been great. Mm-hmm. Like not to, you know, I don't, would never want to discourage people from doing that. If you have, uh, you know, a cool game, you'd love to see us cover. Mm-hmm. Um, please, you know, hit us up there because people have been really cool, really good with the picks. Yeah. And we've been, uh, I'm really excited about this year so far same and like what we have I, ahead of I, us I got, I got a sneak preview of it of the of a recent one that came in and there's one in there that i'm really excited to do so oh yeah is this the uh the the i was gonna ask you about that after <laughs> yeah so. yeah so uh yeah it's it, it, it's good I, I really enjoy uh i don't know it, it is made for like a really cool uh run of shows for uh for mm-hmm. you know for like last year and this year so yeah um yeah it's been really fun yeah um, so yeah, so thanks everybody. Uh, I think we plugged all the stuff. Think so. Yeah, Patreon. Um, all, you know, responses. 
ratings, mm-hmm. reviews, tell your friends. It's been a longer, uh, been a longer uh, dispatch than usual, so we don't want to belabor this too much. We're just super happy to have you here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, keep an eye, you know, if your question didn't get answered, specifically your discussion prompt mm-hmm. did not get answered, uh, keep an eye on that Patreon. Yes. So, um, yeah, and uh, until next time, good night. Good night.